next time somebody asks you if you're God, you say, you say yes. yes. <laughs> Sounds like there's at least two people in there already. Maybe a little crowded. I think a ghost might have just come through the door behind you. Hey, you saw the door behind me open? That's my cat. There was the cat. Oh, okay. Yeah. Everyone feels at least two opposite ways about just about everything, just about every moment, or just about every day. They just don't know what's normal, and they just don't have a safe place to put it. Back off, man. I'm a scientist. And then you see Jesus standing all over the whole thing, leaning down, whispering, don't masturbate. And <laughs> <laughs> told Dickless here, shut off the containment grid. Yeah. Is that true? Yes, this is true. This, this man, man has, has no, no dick. dick. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Internet's favorite bill murray podcast the cinemarter podcast uh this is the podcast where we watch movies and then we use that as an excuse to talk about the mythological psychological and spiritual themes in those movies and i am joined today by the one the only you've heard of dr death but have you heard of dr myth the man with the most impractical doctorate in the world dr michael petro Hi, Mike. Hey, Ryan. Good to see you. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Cinemarter Podcast. It is the world's most impractical doctorate. I have a doctorate in mythology and depth psychology, which I frequently <laughs> tell people qualifies me to treat mythological creatures who've become neurotic. And uh, it's a career that I quite enjoy. Yeah. How you doing, buddy? I'm, uh, I, we'll get into it, but it's been a week or it's been a little bit, uh, a couple weeks. We are going to get into that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, in, in very, very, very exciting news to me today, we are joined by our very first guest on the show. My old friend, we've been friends for 25 odd years, 25 plus years, 25 yeah. plus years. Yeah. Uh, my good buddy, my business partner, my neighbor now, sort of, a couple miles away, uh, Tom Murtaugh is here. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I feel a little weird because you guys are my friends, but I'm also a really big fan of the podcast, so <laughs> I'm a little nervous, I must say. <laughs> well, it's amazing. Yeah, well, we're super stoked to have you. We are Thanks super, for having me. super stoked to be doing this episode today. We are going to be doing, uh, we've joked about it before and I made the joke up front, but we are doing Ghostbusters, another Bill Murray. So I think we're now at like <laughs> roughly what, what would that be like? At least 45% of the episodes we've done have been Bill Murray episodes. Um, <clears throat> Absolutely. And um, and I'm, I'm just going to apologize up front. I'm getting over a little bit of a cold. You can probably hear it in my voice. I lost my voice yesterday randomly. Uh, I'm feeling much better today, but my voice is a little scratchy, so I apologize for that. But um, this time around, I wanted to uh, – why don't we right up front here, before we catch up and do all that stuff, why don't we talk about our favorite scene – from Ghostbusters, just to kick this off. And I will start just because I know what my favorite scene is. To me, <clears throat> this movie does such an amazing job at setting itself up right at the start. And to me, the library scene right in the beginning, <laughs> when the woman is walking through the aisles and the books are flying across and the, the, um, eventually the, the, the cards, what were the, the Dewey Decimal System, what were those called? Library cards, whatever, start shooting yep. out and everything. Yep. The practical effects in that number one are just so beautiful, which in contrast to the rest of the movie, which we'll get into some of the other special effects do not hold up. But that scene is so good practical effects. And it sets up like this beautiful world, and I love, love, love that scene. Um, what, Tom? What is your favorite scene from Ghostbusters? So this this is so hard, but 
putting me on the spot here, I have to say the scene in the hotel, in the Sedgwick Hotel, the fake Sedgwick Hotel, um, when they're in the ballroom and they finally kind of figure out how to capture a ghost mm-hmm. and um, they get Slimer or whatever, whatever we want to call him, the green ghost, you know, into the containment with their streams and they get it into the trap and they, there's that moment when they get in the trap, they're like, is it in there? And they kick it and like <laughs> it smokes a little bit. That's just awesome because it's just show, in my opinion, it's showing them coming together and they actually realize that they can do this. And it's a, it's a pretty epic moment while being kind of small at the same time. It's a, I think it's a pretty epic moment in the movie. Yeah. That's right on. I know I, I, that whole scene is great. I love the I love the scene where they come bursting out the doors and he's yep. like, "We came, we saw, we kicked, we kicked its, its ass." ass. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I love it so which, much. Which, by the way, we will definitely get into this, but this is up there with Princess Bride for the most one-liners in a movie. Like there's oh, so, yeah. so many, so good many ones one-liners. In this one. Also, in that scene, which I know this is, I haven't said my favorite scene yet, but, and I know we'll get into it in the in the episode. But Tom, like. They do so much property damage in that scene. I was, I was thinking like, the same it's thing. Unbelievable, right? <laughs> Tens of thousands of dollars at least. The, the, oh my the, god, it's unbelievable. The part that really like in that scene where I was thinking the same exact thing was when um <laughs> when Egon's shooting and he just blows up that bar and and I'm yes. like that's probably an incredibly expensive bar that he just destroyed. <laughs> But yeah, Bill Murray has such a great running dialogue about how much damage they do. Like when they're upstairs, he's like, "We should split up," and he's like, "Great, we can do more damage that <laughs> exactly. way." And then even when they, when they hit the chandelier, and he's like, "Don't worry, the table broke." Yeah. broke its fall. <laughs> so, so, oh my god, oh, nice god. shooting text. Oh, nice so shoot. good. That's so good. talk about one liners. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, okay. So my favorite scene, bar none, is when they go to see the mayor. And, uh, yes. and I think, I don't know, the local, whatever he is, Cardinal, I, I don't know, because oh, yeah. I don't know, yeah, I'm not yeah. Catholic, yeah. he's important, yeah. mm-hmm. the, the local head priest shows up, and um, they start telling him that there's a disaster coming of biblical proportions, and they all start rolling with it, and they're describing it, and it culminates, at, and Ryan, if you want to edit, edit the line in, feel free, it culminates yeah. in Bill Murray going, Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, <laughs> together. mass, mass hysteria. hysteria. And I just, I love that scene so much. Um, my brother and I used to communicate exclusively in movie lines. And so, like, we, there were so many things where, like, shit would get crazy and he would just look at me and go, dogs and cats living together. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was just such a. He used that one all a, the time. Oh, my God. That's so a great scene. Also, yeah. also. How the last two weeks of my life have felt is like <laughs> dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. So I think when I watched it again this time, I was like, oh, my God, Bill Murray. I feel you so much, Venkman. I feel you so much right now. Well, oh, yeah, dude, what a great about movie. It. Tell me about what, what Let's catch up for a couple of minutes. Yeah. How's, I know both of us have been dealing with some stuff. So what, what's your last couple of weeks been like? Um, you know, it's been the weirdest thing. So so all my friends kept telling me Mercury, Mercury was in retrograde. And now <laughs> yep. they're telling me Mercury's in retro shade, whatever the hell that means. Um <laughs> And I and I want to believe it's nonsense, but man, uh, work has been crazy. So I have a bunch of different projects that all kind of broke at the same time. But it's it's 
happened to the backdrop of just the weirdest two weeks ever, you know? <laughs> um, just crazy shit keeps happening. Some of it really intense. This is Albuquerque. It's like the wild, wild west out here. Yeah. So there was some really, really intense crime. Um, mm, wow. Uh, a, a buddy of mine had his bike stolen, but he had a tracker in the bike. So he went and just went and found the guys who stole his bike on the other side of town, oh, like texting me. And he's like, I found my bike. It's bungeed to the back of this car with tinted out windows. Do you think I should just take it? I'm like, no, do not. <laughs> so the cops rolled up 45 minutes later because Albuquerque, the cops eventually rolled up and there were two dudes in the car and they had guns and knives and brass knuckles and warrants out for their arrest. And then wow. the next day there was a uh, there was a real like intense like shooting thing right on my corner. Oh, and boy, then wow. um. And then a day or two after that, a drunk driver crashed into my car in the middle of the night. Um, oh and so I was out talking to her for a bit. So that was a thing. And then her car was totaled, so it stayed here. And then uh, they sent a tow truck three times <laughs> to tow her car away. And they towed the wrong car at one point, oh. which I do not understand. Because the car they took was a different make and model. And wow. there's a car with the front of it hanging off on my street. It is so <laughs> obviously the car that needs to be towed. And they showed up and left with a different car. And it's been, man, it's just been like that. Um, my street got closed. The alley behind me where I parked got closed at one point. They knocked my water out at one point today, oh and God. right now there's a, I have a drunk neighbor. It's shouting in the street nice. because there's some kind of crisis happening while we're filming this episode. So, oh, yeah, man, dogs and cats living together. Wasn't Mass isn't that the yeah, second yeah, time a drunk driver's crashed into your car? Did, I feel like that uh -huh. happened. Yeah, yeah, that happened up yeah. here one time to you. Yeah, more and than my, once. And then another time, my neighbor slashed your tires in front of my house. Oh, your neighbor I was slashed there for that. Yeah, but I feel like yeah. that was earned. Yeah, that because <laughs> I had my friend from Australia visiting, and he thought it would be funny. It was Christmas time, and that neighbor had decorative reindeer in his yard. And my buddy thought it would be fun to like jump on top of the reindeer and and act like he was bucking a bronco. And yeah. I feel like your neighbor didn't appreciate that. So I, I mean, you know, not that I'm saying was, I I appreciated him slashing my tires. That wasn't my favorite. He was pr probably provoked. I wouldn't say it was earned. <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> think I don't think anything fair is enough. yeah. Slashing tires is okay, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, but that that happened. Um I had a bunch of teenagers crash into my car when I was running at a park at one point. Um all this week? Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. This is time. this is back when, okay, when Ryan. I my sister about, my sister he, Oh, we're going back to go all bad. He, things he always so. his cars always get messed up. Like he's <laughs> My sister a, says to me, You have the weirdest automotive luck of anyone yeah. I've ever met. And okay. I was like, I think I have the weirdest luck, period, of anyone you've ever met. But it does it does like go up a level when we throw cars into the equation. Um yeah, so you know, like and other stuff. It's been that kind of a it's been that kind of a, a week. Where it's just, just it seems like there's stuff. I can see my neighbor shouting. Uh, anyway, <laughs> oh my god, just weird stuff, man. But that's me, dude. How are you doing? I'm doing oh, and right. like, and two different people in the same day uh, <laughs> called me. Two different people in the same day that I hang out with were like, "Hey, my kid may have been exposed to COVID, and we hung out this week, so just Oof, keep uh, an eye on that." Yeah. So yeah, but you guys are safe. Because we're we're, <laughs> we're appropriately zero. social distance yeah. through the screen. Ryan, how are you? I'm I'm doing all right, but speaking of uh, you and I being socially distanced, that's not going to be that way for too long because a week from now, you and I will be in the same location, and it's going to be magical. I haven't I'm seen you physically in what, like two and a half years? Uh, it's it'll be two years in January, okay, or two okay. years in wow. December, I think. 
Yeah. So we're going. Because I packed up and moved the last week of 2019. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So Mike and I are going to a wedding in a week, which I'm super stoked for. Um, And then after that, Mike's coming back to my place, and we're going to attempt, possibly, maybe, we'll see how this works out. Maybe try to do a live, not a live, but an in-person episode of the podcast here. Uh, But regardless, we are going to have a campfire together, and it's going to be amazing because we haven't done that in a long time. And Mike and I used to do that. Almost every other week or so back for a while there. We did it pretty often. Uh, living, but yeah, I'm, living I'm, by a fire is the best. Yeah. Sitting by a fire, having a conversation. Yeah. yeah. But um, I'm doing good, man. I It's been, yeah, I, things are, uh, you know, crazy as normal. Uh, this week has been particularly crazy because a good friend of ours uh, is uh, got admitted to the hospital with a very, very, very severe case of pancreatitis. Um, oh, my God. And he's going to probably have to have surgery. And it's been... It's been, it's been insane, um, dude. But um, aside from that, uh, one of the good things, cool things that has happened recently is I, Laura and I have been searching for a camper for a long time. So we just bought our first little uh, camper. It's like a, it's called a casita. It's a little tiny like nugget thing. Um, so we're super <laughs> stoked to start using. It. We're actually going to take that to the wedding. And to, and what's its name, Ryan? Oh, the the name it's called. We she Laura named it um, all of the free range nugget. That's the oh, name of the camper. I love it. I love it. I, I, you, you have a casita. You have to come visit me in New Mexico now. That's what they. I live in a casita. That's what they call all these tiny houses. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. So, awesome. Yeah. So that was. Uh, so we're doing it. You know, we. Uh, it's one of those things I've been searching for a long time, and uh, so we bought it, and I. I don't know. I'm still, it's one of those things where I need to stop looking because now I'm second guessing if I paid too much for it. Cause it's like, it needs work, you know? Um, it's an older one. It's from like two, it's like 20 years old. So it needs work. And I've been, any of my free time that I've had, that's what I've been doing is like rebuilding this thing, you know, um, to get it ready to go camping, but whatever. It's a fun adventure and it's, uh, it's pretty sick. Yeah. So that's me. Uh, Tom, how, what, what have you been up to? How's, how's your past? This is your first time on the show, but how, how's the past couple of weeks been for you? Yeah. You know, or, it's, you know, your whole life, my whole life. <laughs> yeah. Let me, natural. so let me start when I was five. No, um, <laughs> uh, no, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll second the mercury and retrograde thing, Mike. I mean, I, I yeah. hate to, you know, subscribe to some of that stuff sometimes, but I really, I do. And it's mm-hmm. felt like that. It's felt like for the past couple of weeks, it's just been kind of miscommunication after miscommunication. So it's been a little bit of a crazy week, especially with our good friend in the hospital. Um, another thing exciting, but also kind of crazy, um, was I got my COVID booster um, on Sunday, which was great. But I did not realize how hazy that thing makes me. So I had to travel yeah. up to New York. I've been in New York. I literally drove back today. I've been there since Monday. So that's been four days in New York. And for the first two and a half days that I've been there, just totally hazed out. And I didn't realize it until this morning that I woke up and it was finally cleared. Um, So I think that's been adding to it. But overall, good. But I think like everybody else, a little bit crazy. Um, um, But but feeling like there's some hope on the horizon with Mm -hmm. everything and that things are, you know, moving in the right direction. I think we got some good news from our friend today, too, who's in the hospital. So that feels good. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah, glad no, to hear that. That's a good thing. And then also Tom and I have been talking about um, 
you know, trying to make the most of, you know, I did the summer of hangs. That was my thing all summer. Yep. And now we're trying to transition that into, we haven't come up with a name for the it. The fall of fun. The fall of fun. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. we're trying to, try to stay positive and, you know, try to keep those, those positive vibes going. I think we've already scheduled a Christmas party. So for all of our friends listening, oh, I think nice. the 11th of December, Mike, you're fully invited. If you feel like making <laughs> I, another you know, trip. Um, I, that might that might be cool. That might be fun. I uh, I'll, I'll throw in one little weird thing uh, before we transition again. So I was talking to a a, a friend slash client of mine recently, and she was telling me that um, I, I have no idea if this is true. This is what she told me. So it might have been all bullshit that she made up. But she was telling me that in um, in in Chinese thought certain Chinese thought systems there are five seasons and not four, hmm, and um, between summer and fall there's the season of harvest. Mm. Um, she was telling me about, and, uh, I was like, oh, harvest, like plenty celebration of abundance. And she's like, no, no, no. Harvest is when you work your ass off (laughs) for a very short and very intense season because things that have been growing for a long time, like it all pops at once. And so I, 100% this feels like a harvest moment. I, love I was that. like, oh my God. Yeah. They, totally. I, everything feels batshit crazy right now, but all of it, uh, a lot of it feels like the culmination of yes. longstanding uh, projects that are suddenly breaking. So yeah, so it, it definitely feels like a that. harvest moment. Yeah, totally. That's great. Yeah. Nice. Really yeah. good. That's awesome. So what about, real quick, what about uh, any uh, fun movies that either of you guys have watched or TV shows or anything that you want to tell our listeners about that uh, you, you've been into lately? I have two things. I'm super excited because I'm going to go see Dune tomorrow, and oh, I'm oh, unbelievably stoked for that movie. You know, I, I told you I read the book uh, mm-hmm. to prep for it. I like the book a lot. I watched the 80s movie, which is crazy, um, <laughs> and, I, and I'm very excited for this movie. I think we should do it. Yeah. That's one. The other thing is... A bunch of people kept telling me that um, there were really interesting conversations about religion in the Netflix miniseries Black, no, not Black Mass, Midnight Mass. Mm. And so I binged the whole thing uh, more or less in one night. Um, And it was very spooky, Mm. uh, a little bit scary in some parts, and true to form, really, really interesting uh, conversations around, like, religion gone very, very wrong. Um yeah, so I, I enjoyed that a bunch. It definitely was like, like I said, like watched six episodes one night and then tried to go to sleep and was just like, <laughs> not going to happen. Nice. Yeah, man, that's been me. How about you guys? Yeah. Tom, have you seen anything fun? Or? Yeah, so I actually watched um, a movie that uh, Netflix, or sorry, uh, Amazon Prime has been pushing to me for a while. Maybe you guys have seen it. It's an older one, Stephen King movie, Secret Window with nope. Johnny Depp. Oh. And Interesting. very surprisingly good. I mm. I liked it um, a lot, and I, it it w- it's a, was a little slow to start, but mm. would uh, would totally recommend it. Mm. Nice, right on, awesome. Yeah. What's what's the genre like? What uh, it's 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 a it's a thriller, right? Okay. It's a Stephen King thriller with kind of a whodunit type of murder situation. Oh, okay. But as usual, Stephen King has a wonderful twist in it. Um, and Johnny Depp, I th- Johnny Depp's the lead uh, lead star, but does a really great job with it. So um, nice. I would totally totally recommend it. A little bit of a sleeper hit, I would say. Cool. Interesting. Was that one of the um, Stephen King movies? Pretty much fall into like two categories, which is the occasionally uh, higher budget studio movie, and then I feel like there's a lot of like straight to television quality Stephen King, which I still really like. It's even somewhere in between. Values a little. Okay. All yeah, right, fair enough. It's somewhere in between. Cool. Exactly right, right though, Mike. Yeah. Perfect. 
I always uh, I, when I my, my like low bar for Stephen King and I uh, is the uh, the the movie where all the vampires fight the cats. I, I think it's called Sleepwalkers. I'm not sure, but I know the the end of the movie culminates in a million cats show up to fight these vampires. Like how <laughs> I, think cats, I remember what you're show saying. Up. Yeah. Oh my god! It's so if you if you need if you're having a rough day. Just, you know, uh, Google vampires fighting cats, and it's it's pretty entertaining. Love it. That's great. Awesome. Um, yeah, I haven't really we, – we watched Black Widow the other night, which hmm. I got to say, man, I am – I'm getting to the point with Marvel movies, I can't keep up. I cannot keep track of who's – what's going on, what timeline – like, when did this happen in the MCU universe, the timeline? I can't keep up. Also, Black Widow – I mean, it was a fun movie. Don't get me wrong. <clears throat> but about halfway through, I was like, "Wait a minute! Black Widow is just a normal. She's like a she's like Batman. She's a normal she's human a being. Yep. But like the the stuff she's doing in that movie is batshit. Yeah. It, and I like at that point, it sort of lost me. It lost me a little bit because I was like, "Wait a minute! This she's like flying out of a uh, a plane and like catching people and like jumping off of a like twenty story <laughs> building and landing and she's fine. Like, nah, I don't like." There's 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 a slight suspension of disbelief required yeah. uh, to make that movie work. I will say, if you get a chance to watch Shang Chi, that one was oh, fantastic, and yeah. it's like a kind of a new character in a new storyline in a way. So you kind of almost don't need to know anything about Marvel at all to watch that okay. one. Yeah. Well, that's um, the, but, I'm at the point now with Marvel where I'm like almost like I think I just said Marvel, Marvel, yeah. Marvel, Marvel. Marvel's <laughs> a really good brewery out here. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but I'm at the point with Marvel where I. I I just can't keep up, and I'm just like, oh, my God, can I even keep watching these? Because, like, I just don't even understand where we are in the timeline, who's alive, yeah, who's dead, yeah. where, like, it's just... Well, it's just... and and they're about to introduce parallel timelines. Exactly, so exactly. It's, it's going to get, get insane. It's going to get crazy. It's going to get insane. Yeah. But, yeah, um, I, and, I, and I know we got to get to the movie, but i got to ask this, too. Have you seen the trailer for the new Batman movie? I did. It looks really I good. good. It, it, I, I have been on the fence... There have been moments that look cool, but I'm like, ah. Eh. And then this last one that dropped last week, I think it looks really finally good. won me over. It looks so cool. Yeah. It looks well, badass. I'm pretty well, excited about it. Hey, can, if we're speaking about trailers, is yeah. Ghostbusters Afterlife? Yes. It's coming yes. out. I yes. mean, it's the end of this month, I think. Is that? Yeah, I have a friend right. who yeah. saw it too and said it was great. Are you serious? Awesome. Yeah, he saw it at Comic Con and said it was like ridiculously cool. I think so, Ryan. Yeah, Ryan told me. I think you summed it up as saying it's like a love letter to the original. That's what right. I've heard. That's yeah. what people are saying that it, they did a really yeah. good job, and so I'm I'm stoked about that. Um, yeah. One other thing I did. Sorry, two other little things I did want to mention real quick is I I finished up season two of Ted Lasso finally. Good season. Not as great as the first, in my opinion. Yeah, agreed. The heart, the because obviously they needed to transition into like a quote unquote real show. Yeah. So they needed to do more uh, character development on some of the uh, secondary characters, but the heart was not quite there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And also they sort of de, I don't even know what the word is, but like they they took Ted down a notch. You know what I mean? He wasn't this magical figure anymore. Like in the first season, I would liken him to like almost like a Christ figure. Yeah. But then in the second season, he's not—he's not as perfect as you thought. Which I'm—I sh- I understand they're doing on purpose. Well, and this is the thing. Like, so in the first season of Ted Lasso, you know, you had Rupert, who was such a dick. He was the worst person yeah. in the world, and so easy to hate. And and the and the Dark Game episode is maybe one of my favorite scenes in television ever. 
Agreed. Maybe one of my 100%. favorite episodes of television ever. Right. Um, what I what I, I heard a lot of criticism about the second season, and I agree, they've shifted into a little more long form storytelling. Right. Um, but I will say I will say this. Uh, one of the criticisms I kept hearing about the second season is that there's no clear adversary. And what I liked is that the the adversary, so to speak, it's not perfect language for this in the second season is the shadow of all the main characters. Right. So everyone who's yeah. your heroes in the, in the first well season, the second season kind of explores their, um, their particular challenges and yeah. their underside and their neuroses, which I loved, which I yeah. loved, but I also agree there's, you know, it's not quite as good. Also, I'm, I'm rewatching with a friend and when I binge it, I like it more. Um, yeah. hmm. it's, it's a little bit punchier that way, but I will say no matter what, and I don't want to spoil it, but there, there was one episode towards the end of the season, um, that had three moments that made me cry in the same episode. Wow. And so I, that, there was one episode that really felt like it sort of kind of recaptured the magic okay. of the first season. The only, it, it was good. I was just going to say the only criticism I read one article and I think this, this sort of sums up like why I sort of feel like. There's a, it's a little not quite there in the second season is what they said was, and they were a little bit more harsh, but what they were saying was that by, by, by giving Ted like these struggles to deal with, you sort of negated all the, like the positivity that he gave in the first season because it's not real because it's sort of, it's kind of bullshit. You know what I mean? Cause he's sort of using that as a cover up to hide his neuroses. You know what I mean? Like, and and mm. and that where my pushback would be is that that's the genius of the show because everything we live is opposites intention, man. That's yeah. Yeah. that's everyone yeah, feels at least two opposite ways about just about everything, just about every moment, or just about every day. They just don't know it's normal, and they just don't have a safe place to put it. Yeah. And so, our best intentions and our best our best expressions of who we are are often tied up with our greatest challenges and our greatest weaknesses. Yep. Like our greatest gift is usually our, our greatest mm. challenge. Yeah. And, you know, we turn our wounds into wisdom, but they're still wounds. Yeah. So, so again, I, I like it, but it'll really depend on what they do with the third season to totally. see how yeah. much. It'll um, also depend on if they stick to their plan of only doing three seasons or yeah. if they look at the dollar and say, oh, we can yeah. stretch this into four because yeah. I really hope they keep it tight and punchy and yeah. just do three seasons. Yeah, be amazing. I agree. And, and, and unless, yeah. like, I like the way they destigmatize a bit mental health stuff, but, totally. but that's totally. just me, yeah. you know? But again, oh. first season is a masterpiece. No, it's, it's, it's impossible yeah. to ever replicate those whatever, like eight, ten episodes. Yeah. Um, yeah, good shit. The other last little thing I wanted to mention, have you started, have you watched The Foundation yet? No, is it good? It's pretty good, man. It's pretty yeah? cool. Yeah, okay. That's it's cool. I need cool. something. It's, it's based on, I think, what is it, Isaac Asimov's books. And it's really, the premise is pretty neat because what they're trying to do in it, I, I haven't, I, I've purposely not looked at anything to like understand exactly what's going on because I like, I don't yeah. want anything spoiled. But the basis I gather in the first couple episodes is that this story is going to take place over literally millennia, like thousands of years. Wow. So already in the first week, we haven't kept up, but we watched like the first three episodes or four episodes, okay. maybe. They've already traveled back and forth in time like five or 600 years. Wow. So, oh, they're wow. T- so it's sci fi, like interplanetary, Star Wars esque, but like end of the world type things are happening, but it takes place over thousands of years. So multi generational, like it's really intense. Wow. Like, it's pretty cool. And That's it's cool. shot really well. It's very beautiful. That's great. Yeah, I've heard great things. Right on. 
Yeah. Awesome. I'll give it a tumble. So, nice. Uh, anyway, should we get into the episode? Should we do this? Let's do it. <clears throat> Let's do it. All um, right. So today we're doing uh, Ghostbusters. And the reason Tom is here today with us is because I've always known that this is like <laughs> Tom's, like, pro- well, at least until uh, There Will Be Blood came out. It was probably Tom's favorite movie of all time. Is that? I, I have to say, like, I can never choose between the two. I have a few favorite movies. So I think, uh, but There Will Be Blood in Ghostbusters. I think somebody asked me one time, about my ep- most epic birthday party, and I said it would be a mashup between Ghostbusters and There Will Be Blood, <laughs> um, where we drink green milkshakes. Um, so that would I love it. <laughs> those are my two favorite. But I, I also want to say that this I have a a few movies, and I don't know if you guys do the same thing. But when I do work or when I need to dig into work, there's a few movies that I can put on where I can actually dig in. And there will be blood up in the air, and Ghostbusters are are oh. the three movies that I can put on, have on in the background, and it like clicks me into work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've probably watched this, I, I would say, in the triple digit number of number of times. Honestly, this is so funny. I had an I had a I had a moment this past weekend. I was in Durango with a friend, and um, and I was trying to explain something, and I used the scene from Up in the Air to explain it. And for whatever reason, I've I've told this story three or four times in the last week. So I've I've explained the movie Up in the Air at least three times in the well, last do it seven again. days. Here's it's the fourth. Such a, it's such a great movie. Oh, I agree. Um, yeah. And it's it's just there's a few you know really really poignant beats um, that that resonate oh, yeah. with me a lot. That that might. I don't know if anybody would listen to it because I feel like we might be two of the four people who've seen it, but I do really love that. I've movie. never seen it. I think you should definitely it do it if you guys do it. That would be amazing. <laughs> and I think, and you know what? And that's a Jason Reitman movie, right? Which is an, was Ivan Reitman's son. Oh, man. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> There's something in the blood there, right? Because he's doing, because yeah. he's doing Ghostbusters Afterlife too. That's right. I did not realize he had done up in the air. That's wild. Yep. Okay, yep. cool. Interesting. Right on. Yep. By the way, have you, I know you're not, Tom, I'm talking to you right now. Okay. But have, have you, I don't think you're up on this, but Adam Savage, you know, I'm like obsessed with like watching his stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, he's like your, he's your hero. He's yeah. your builder hero. Yeah, yeah. But he, so he, when they were filming uh, Afterlife, he was allowed to go on set for a week. And so he's releasing, now they're finally releasing all these videos of him. So he was like releasing, like he built his own proton pack and stuff. Like he made a custom one. Oh my God. Um, But then he's like on set, like looking at the props and stuff like this. He got to drive the new Ecto-1. So there's a couple of really good videos from his stuff right now. You might want to check That's awesome. I feel like I'm going to totally geek out on that. Yeah. But uh, I, um, oh my God. And once again, watching this movie. I, I once again was like, God, I want a proton pack. Um, yeah. It's definitely on one of those. It's definitely one of those things that I've toyed around with. Like, do I want to take the time to like build one of these things? I've thought about actually the. Um, oh God, I feel like an idiot. What's the name of the thing that they catch the ghosts in? Trap. The trap. The trap. Yeah, I, those, yeah. that would be an easy build, name. like a relatively easy build. And I've thought like that would be a fun like little thing to, oh, yeah, try to totally. replicate yeah. and like hang on the wall here somewhere. Um, but anyway, so we're doing Ghostbusters. Uh, let's do a quick recap here. I, I printed out the synopsis from Wikipedia because I thought maybe that would keep me on track better, but I'm just going to do it off the cuff. We'll see how this goes. So the basis of this movie is there's three scientists, uh, Dr. Peter Venkman, uh, who's played by Bill Murray, Dr. Raymond Stantz, who's played by Dan Aykroyd, and Dr. Egon Spengler, who's played by Harold Ramis. Uh, and I have, I have way, a quick th- question. Do they all have... 
their PhDs in different things. Because what I picked up on this movie that I'd never picked up on before is that Venkman's uh, a PhD in parapsychology. And, psych- and of course, he's a psychologist. That makes so much sense to me, uh, right. having spent a lot of time around psychologists. But what about Ray and Spengler? Do we know? Well, the thing is, when I was watching this, I didn't even know if they were actually doctors, because I don't know that they actually say doctor for the other two at any point. So so oh there is God. a moment where uh, Peck, Walter Peck, calls Venkman Mr. Venkman. He goes, Dr. Venkman, right? right? So so I, I, I do believe they are all doctors. Yeah, Venk- well, Venkman, Venkman especially is- has two doctorates, and it's so That's frustrating because right. then Peck continues oh. to call him Mr. for the rest of the scene because he's such a doctor. Yeah, but it's, oh, it's the other two that I don't Oh, I'm sorry. You guys re- were talking about the other two. I, yeah, I it's the other two that I don't think they ever actually refer to as doctors, but in the all the credits and everything, call them doctors. So I'm assuming they, they have doctorates, to be, yeah. but I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're teaching if at they're Columbia, teaching, right? Yeah, they, they should be. Yeah. Um. So anyway, this movie, by the way, was released in uh, on June eighth, nineteen eighty four, which coincidentally was the same day that Gremlins came out. I can't believe they competed. There's a it's fun little uh, fact. Wild, and what a great day for cinema! Like two amazing movies, and yeah, you're right. I can't yeah. believe they competed because they're kind of sort of in the in the same wheel. I would love to see a totally. Ghostbusters Gremlins crossover one day. Uh, <laughs> I also thought Gremlins was canon. Sorry, what were you saying, home? I I I also thought Gremlins was a Christmas movie. Right, because it I, takes know, place at Christmas time. I thought they would have released it in the winter, not in, yeah, in the summer. Yeah, one of really the one of the many yeah. Christmas movies not released at Christmas. Yeah, or but Christmas definitely time Christmas movies. movie. Yeah, I, yeah. I, it's like Die Hard. I, I watch it at Christmas time. Yep. Interesting. Uh, anyway, this was uh, directed by Ivan Reitman. Uh, the it was written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. Um, and also, Rick Moranis is was listed as uh, one of the writers, but he's uncredited. Interesting. Um, Anyway, so the the basis of this movie is the three dudes, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, and Harold Ramis, are parapsychologists, and they work at Columbia University. Um, they're investigating. They're while they're there, they're doing uh, tests and stuff like that. We we see Bill Murray's character, Doctor Venkman, pretty early on in the in the film, doing uh, these kind of messed up tests uh, with electrical stimulus. What is the what what does he call it, Tom? So it's, I think it's the negative effect, uh, or, sorry, the, the effect of negative reinforcement on ESP ability. There it is. So he's trying to test ESP abilities but by using negative reinforcement. <laughs> Electroshock, right? Yeah. Electroshock. <laughs> oh my god. It's brilliant. Um, which they were saying was there was two tests that they were sort of trying to reference, and the one was that one that everybody references all the time, where uh, uh, average people were told to like increase voltages on other test subjects, supposedly, and to see yeah. how high. I forget test what that was. People and, screaming in the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so we see him doing that, and what he's doing is he's holding up cards that the the, the there's two participants, a guy and a girl, um, and they can't see what what's on the card. Um, and if they get it right, they, you know, they get a point, I guess. And if they get it wrong, they get an electroshock. And the guy keeps getting it wrong. Um, and then the girl is getting it wrong, but Bill Murray keeps saying that she's she's getting it right because he's being peak Bill Murray once again. Somehow, unbeknownst to me, or I have no clue how he does it, he is a ladies' man in all these 80s movies. He is like the quintessential ladies' man. <laughs> While not looking like a ladies' man at all. <laughs> it's I mean? so weird to me. We've talked about this now. This is the third time we've talked about Bill Murray being cast as this kind of suave, Adonis, <laughs> uh, super attractive uh, guy, which he's not. I mean, he's many things. He's hysterical. He's a genius. Yeah. Um, I've never looked at Bill Murray and thought there's there's a man that women want to get with. But but, but who knows? But that's it's funny all in the too. personality. 
Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's also but, like that there's comedy there too. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And then there's point. also like a few moments and, and this one less bad than than uh Groundhog Day and Scrooge, obviously, because in those movies there's a, a bit of a redemption arc for him, but there's a few movies where I'm like, dude, you can't you can't do that anymore. Yeah. Like, you yeah, can't totally. walk up and put your hand on a woman's back. Like that's not okay. Yeah. yeah. Um <clears throat> so anyway. So there, so he, we see that scene with, uh, with him, uh, doing this experiment. Uh, in the end, he ends up, even though the, 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 the male character that he's doing the test on gets it right, he still zaps him. Um, and he keeps, he's trying to flirt with the girl. And as that happens, uh, Egon, I think, runs in, right? Egon? No, it's, uh, 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 Dan Aykroyd. Oh, runs in. Right. Oh, Ray runs in. Yeah, okay. Ray so Ray in. runs in and says they got a call from the New York Public Library, um, that there's a ghost there. So they run over to the New York Public Library. Um, where did you say that one was? It's, uh, it's Brian the Park. Bryan Park branch. Yep. The oh main my God. branch, it's which is Bryan one Park. of my yeah. favorite places. I used to um, I used to sit on those steps uh, quite a bit and, and hang out in Bryan Park a bunch. Um, it's a beautiful yeah. part of the city. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so so absolutely lovely. Also, I was friends yeah. with a woman who lived on those steps once upon a time. True story. Oh wow! Wow, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So anyway, they go over the they go over to the library and there's been a ghost there and so they. Um, they're interviewing the librarian, um, and there's one of the classic uh, uh, lines where there he's he's questioning the librarian. He's asking her, "Is there any mental history of, uh, or is there any history of mental illness in your family?" It, which at one point she says, "My." What did she say? My brother? No, my uncle thought he was St. Jerome. St. Yes, <laughs> Jerome. Which I read, St. Jerome is the patron saint of libraries. Oh, that <laughs> makes sense. Awesome. Also, St. Jerome, bitter enemy of the of the guy that I wrote my doctoral dissertation on. So the guy who's really? sort of wow. like my patron philosopher scholar, uh, St. Jerome notoriously uh, labeled him a heretic and wrote against him and then plagiarized a bunch of his shit. <laughs> wow. <laughs> plagiarized a ton of his stuff. So anything wow. St. Jerome ever said that was good was probably said by Origin of Alexandria. So wow. so when she said that, there was a part of me that was like, oh, I hate you, St. Jerome. St. Jerome. <laughs> My old nemesis. <laughs> but what a great line that Bill Murray That's gets so to, to utter. Uh, another one that I sometimes consider my favorite line in the movie. So what is, he asks her... Are you menstruating? Right. And the and the library administrator goes, what does that have to do with anything? And he nope. gives one of the best line deliveries in the entire movie. And he says, back off, man. I'm a scientist. <laughs> so great. So great. Oh, my God. I love it so much. Oh, uh, yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. So anyway, they uh, eventually they, they're done questioning the, the, the library. And they go downstairs. They're looking for this thing. They they finally see this apparition in front of them, and they're all freaking out because they see this full torso, uh, you know, from the legs up, right? There, I don't think you see the feet of it, but it's like from the right, it's like from the like the legs up, yeah, this floating apparition, and, and it's a librarian like looking at a book or whatever. And you know, they're freaking out and they, they're talking. And at one point, she like turns to the camera, she goes, Shh, you know, she's like shushing them, and then they <laughs> they go, they, they can't figure out what to do. And at one point, they go, I got an idea. Let's get her, right? Like get, that's her. They, get her. They all run yeah. at her. They run at her, and then it, she turns into this, like, super scary ghoul that, like, mm -hmm. comes at them then, right? And they Absolutely. run out of the library, and they freak out. The next scene they get to, they are uh, back at the college, and they're basically being fired by the dean yep. because dean their Hager. work is being discredited. Uh, they are the, – the college doesn't want to support them anymore, I guess. Uh, so they're fired. And then they decide that because of that, that's the impetus for them starting the Ghostbusters. They decide to start their own uh, paranormal uh, investigation and capture 
Paranormal Investigation uh, and Elimination. There it is. There it is. Paranormal Investigation and Elimination Services. We're ready to believe um, you. Yeah. The so, franchise rights alone will be worth millions. <laughs> oh, God. So good. So, so good. They, uh, so they uh, Ray takes out a second mortgage on his house. They buy an old firehouse, um, and then they get to work. Which this, I just want to pause here for a second. This is one of the brilliant things they do in the movie, but also like if you think about it for a second, is insane. I love the fact that they don't really take a lot of time explaining much of anything in this movie. They kind of just jump in, right? Yeah. Uh, right in the beginning of the movie, they jump in, and then also they go from getting the mortgage to they just have the proton packs and they just do what they do. And, they, the- and yeah, there's no there's no hard science in it at all. I love no. I love when they're out on their first case and he he's like, oh, we didn't really test this equipment. <laughs> and I forget what the line is where he says, yeah, what it's like. There's nothing to worry about. We have unlicensed particle accelerators on our yeah. back. Nuclear, Nuclear accelerators, accelerators on our back. Yeah. 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 yeah, in a t- in the time of a Cold War, too, right? Yeah. Like, like all this, you know, everybody's you focused on nuclear when, pro- proliferation, and oh they're building God. it, and nobody cares. No, nope. yeah. and I love when when uh, Ray first fires up his pack for the first time in the movie, and the other two guys just Back step off. away from it. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, in the, in oh the time God. frame of the movie, I think it's supposed to be. It feels like it's only supposed to be like. What like a month from the time they get the mortgage to the time that that they're going on like their first? Yeah, it's fast. They didn't change. They didn't sh- change wardrobe. Like it still felt like the kind right. of fall. You right. know, <laughs> right? Yeah. But like yeah. in reality, just to renovate that building would have taken oh, like six forever. months to a year. I think they called it a, a demilitarized zone. Have, <laughs> yeah. have any of you ever visited that part of the city? It's actually beautiful now. Like down uh, Canal Street, I think it's in Soho. Okay, it's such a cool yeah. spot in the city. But I think in the eighties, it was. Adult. not a really great place to be yeah yeah okay. yeah yep absolutely yeah uh, it, it's it's funny too because like they they don't so what happens is um and i'm sure you'll get into this in a second sigourney weaver shows up she's sort of their first client and uh they're rolling along and clearly they have money because they're spending it all mm-hmm. ray buys a car they they get all the equipment and then um and then it, it, like in a scene a little beyond that, he says, you know, I, I need to draw some more petty cash. And they're like, well, that's this meal is the last of our petty cash. So it's right as they're running out of money that they right. get their first real call. Um, right. So, again, maybe a week has gone by, maybe right. a year, but it happens very, very fast in the yeah. movie. Right, right. Yeah. So then um, <clears throat> basically at, uh, at a certain point, the sort of like one of the 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 – the bad guy in the story shows up. Uh, what's his name? Walter, Walter Peck. Peck. Walter Peck um, shows up, and he's from the EPA, and he basically wants to inspect what they're doing there because this is like they're they're becoming sort of famous at this point, right? They're they're sort of getting a name for. They have the commercials on TV. Yeah, yeah, because they they get their first big job, which is we absolutely should talk about. I know we, oh, right. we started oh, yeah. Tom talking about that, but um, they get their first big job, which we should totally talk about that. But something that's happening is for some reason paranormal activity in New York City is skyrocketing, and so because paranormal activity is in New York City is skyrocketing, their business is blowing up, and right. absolutely they become sort of overnight celebrities. Right. Right. Um, and yeah, that I, I did skip over that, right? They have that first one where they go out with the proton packs for the first time. And it's at everything the, about uh, that is scene up? is so it's, good. It's the Sedgwick Hotel, which isn't a real hotel. It was filmed in, in L.A., but the mm. fancy ho- a fancy hotel in New York. Where right. they have the, the, Such a fancy Slimer hotel is. in New York. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And that's where they yeah, yeah they they um, they show up. Oh, and by the way. 
Uh, I should mention this. So they, they show up for their very first call. They show up into this hotel. The guy tells them, you know, there's, there's the, the 12th floor is haunted and so on and so forth. And one of the things I noticed where they were building to one of my favorite sequences in the, in the whole, in the whole movie, cause it's so much fun and there's action and there's comedy, but they're waiting to get on the elevator. And, uh, you know, that guy gives that great line delivery. What are you guys supposed to be? Cosmonauts? And they say they're exterminators. You know, and he says, must be some cockroach because they have all the gear on. And uh, he goes, bite your head off, man. But the guy's standing there getting ready to get into an elevator, smoking a cigar inside. (laughs) And then when I realized that, I started to notice there is so much smoking in this movie. People smoke so much. They smoke so much. I think there's that great there's that great scene right after that where Ray has the cigarette. He sees Slimer for the first time, and then the cigarette's dangling, dangling from, yep. his from his lip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. And uh, oh my god, yeah. So they, yeah. they track this uh, ghost who in the movie is never called Slimer. Slimer yeah, was actually named yeah. later, I think, in the real Ghostbusters cartoon. Yeah, that was invented for the cartoon. But right. but th- that that ghost was from what I've read was based off of. Uh, Belushi. Or, because he was supposed to... The, exactly, the original movie yeah. was written for Belushi, Aykroyd, and uh, I think Eddie Murphy. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's definitely was was supposed to look like him. Although I watched... Uh, if you watch the movies that made us, there's a really great episode on Ghostbusters. You absolutely should watch. And so the guy who designed Slimer kind of like gives a wink to the camera where they were like, make it look like Belushi. And he's like, okay. And he kind of implies <laughs> that they... Sort of did and sort of didn't, but everybody was like, hey, great job. Looks just like him. And he's like, if you say so. Yeah, interesting. So, yeah, so so this is the first ghost that they're actually going to try to catch. Um, Eventually, they're tracking it around all upstairs. Eventually, they find out that it's downstairs in the ballroom, right? The, the or the the uh, there's a big like dining hall. Yeah, or something it's a ballroom. Like, yeah, yeah, ballroom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they they lock the <laughs> great scene where he like locks themselves in the in the ballroom, um, and they they uh, they're about to fire their proton packs. And uh, is it Egon says, I, "Oh, I for, almost forgot. Don't don't, don't cross, cross the streams." The streams. Yep. And I wish I would have written down his quote about what's going to happen if they do. Do you remember it, Tom? Um, imagine every particle of your being exploding at the speed of light or something something, <laughs> yeah, something like all that. all life like, in the yeah. universe stopping. Ceasing. Something like that. Yeah, 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 so yeah, like, yeah. okay, that's so that. I love so when he goes, a, oh, I'm a little yeah, fuzzy bad. on the cold, good, bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> he says it. Yeah. So, so basically, good. this 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 is important because late, this comes into play later, but they're not supposed to cross the streams because it could like basically uh, – destroy the whole universe um but anyways they they eventually they destroy the entire ballroom they start by blowing the chandelier down and there's mm-hmm. that great line where bill, bill murray says don't worry the table broke its fall you yeah. know um they <laughs> they destroy yeah, we talked the, about this at the top they do yeah. so much property damage oh yeah, my god totally. it's unbelievable uh, but they catch slimer they take him back they come out and then they they say uh, they say we came we saw we kicked some ass we kicked its ass you know and then they become uh, like you said they become like overnight celebrities um, and then um, basically from there Bill Murray has been flirting with Sigourney Weaver's character right um, or wait did, did I skip over the part we never actually got to the part with the EPA oh yeah 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 right? you were saying so they they do no, become but it comes famous after this. and then no. yeah you were saying the EPA guy shows up. Right. Uh, because no one really, including the audience, like certainly no one really understands the science of right. what it is that they're shooting the ghosts with or how it is that they're, cont- they're storing them because they catch them and then they put them in a storage unit in their basement. 
Right. Yeah. And they're getting so much press. Like, I, th- th- the part that was really funny for me watching this, like, really intently over the past couple of days, the the newspaper and magazine titles that they had, did you guys catch any of those? I was looking at I didn't know. There's one, and it's The Atlantic, where it says on the cover of The Atlantic, do ghosts have civil rights yes, or something absolutely. like that? I've watched this movie a hundred times, literally a yep. hundred times. I and saw I that never today. caught that. And I I'm saw like, that today. It was so great. Right. Cause they're incarcerating <laughs> them. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, Oh my God, that would totally happen. I could totally see that being an Atlantic article. And it feels like that was the, you know, it, it they did such a great job of showing how big they became that they were such a media frenzy that the EPA had to come in and, and also something I have to say about that. Um, that's where you get the, uh, the, the title montage. So we actually hear the Ghostbusters song, uh, when they kind of yes. blow up and get yeah. famous, but every, every song in this movie is good. I think this time I I noticed it more than I ever had before, like how much I enjoy the soundtrack. It's so totally quintessential agree. 80s. That one song is great, yep. but there's a bunch of really, really great songs in this movie. There's, there's a lot of song. good montages. When they're going to the when they're going to the hotel, like oh, oh that's it it's I own this soundtrack on vinyl and it's oh so good God. to play like on a Saturday morning, like yeah. front to back. It's awesome. Yeah. Oh. I'm probably going to listen to it tomorrow while I'm working. It's, it's really just good. like, oh, yeah. one song is like Save the Day is a great song. Save the Day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. So good. So good. Oh my God. So where do we leave off? So the EPA shows up. Uh, Bill Murray's character kicks them out because he doesn't, they don't have a warrant. He doesn't want, want them there. But the EPA, uh, sorry, the EPA is obviously on, on their case. They want to figure out what's going on there. Now, simultaneously, Bill Murray's been sort of flirting with uh, da- the character Dana, by- played by Sigourney Weaver. Uh, who is who- like a concert violinist or cellist or yeah. something? Cellist. cellist. Yeah, she's yep. a cellist. And yep. he's, Amazing. yeah, and he's like kind of creeping on her, but she's slightly, slightly yeah. interested or fascinated. I don't know. Um, Bill Murray leaves Yeah, and he goes, he, he goes to her house at one point to kind of see what's going on, which has one of the greatest scenes of all time where he walks in and he pulls up the, the cover of the piano and starts twinkling the top keys. They hate this. <laughs> <laughs> it's Dr. Venkman. <laughs> but uh, anyway, what what ends up happening, I think I'm going to just jump ahead a little bit here, is uh, that uh, we, we they um, he eventually gets a date with Dana, who, again, her apartment had been haunted, but they couldn't find anything there. So he's on his way over to her house. Meanwhile, we see her uh, her in her apartment, and she has become possessed by, is it, what's the name? I'm going to screw up these names. Which Is she Zool or Gozer? Which, which one is she? Oh, so, I mean, she's um, she's the gatekeeper. Yeah. Right. Right. And then I think she, uh, yeah. And I think the gatekeeper is Zool because I remember that there is no Dana, only Zool. Only Zool. That's right. Yeah. And then Vince Clortho is the key master. Yes. Right. Right. Who's played by uh, Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis. So well. So well. Oh my God. Oh my God. Amazing. So good. So good. (laughs) When he's talking to the the, the, the fancy cab driver on the street, you will perish and die. You will know one day. Watch for the sign. Our prisoners will be released. It's such a, him running around the city being crazy is eminently entertaining. Amazing. So her, uh, Sigourney Weaver's character and Rick Moranis' character both get 
possessed by this these spirits, and Rick Moranis is the key master, yep. and who Sigourney is, Weaver is the gatekeeper. gatekeeper. Yes, and who is the his name is. Oh, Vince Clortho. Vince Clortho. Thank you. It's tough because yeah. I get I get Zool, Zod, and Khan all confused uh. in my head. So like, there's a mishmash of '80s characters. He uh. is. That's exactly because I remember Egon's talking to him. Uh, the cops drop him off Vince. at the yeah. Ghostbusters headquarters to like examine his brain at one point. It's so right. good because Bill Murray's character is with Sigourney Weaver, and he's sort of talking to her like, um, trying to figure out what's going on. Meanwhile, Rick Moranis's character has been. Uh, picked up by the police and taken to the Ghostbusters headquarters and they kind of piece together that these two are related and that there's something crazy happening on the roof of Sigourney Weaver and Bill uh, Rick Moranis' building. Well, I, I, I think there's another great couple of one-liners there, right, where she keeps asking him, are you the key master? And then he calls... He calls Egon and Egon's like, oh, I have somebody here who's telling me they're the key master. And he goes, oh, we got to get these two together. And Egon <laughs> goes, I think that would be an extraordinarily bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, my God. But eventually they do, right? Yeah. They, they, they do. They do. Yeah. They they uh, find each other when the when the containment unit explodes. Can, he gets yeah, away. Yeah. And they when find the each other. Yep. And the containment unit explodes because the EPA guy uh, comes back with a cop and some guy, a some federal guy, warrant, yeah, and a federal warrant, and yeah. some guy that's just like an electrical guy, like a random, a con ed guy. Yeah. He literally is a con ed hat on, guy, yeah. 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 And they basically, uh, you know, the Egon, everybody, they tell him, "Don't shut this thing down. It's going to be horrible." They shut down the containment unit, and then a giant purple light shoots out of the roof of the building and all the ghosts escape right and i was trying to figure out you mentioned the marvel movies um earlier is this the first movie to ever have a giant sky beam um because it's like it's i feel like every movie Good i watch question. anymore at one point yeah. there's a giant sky beam i think <laughs> ghostbusters did it first i think you're right yeah. sky well. beam is very similarly related to the j-hole tom oh yeah yeah, it's like the inverse of the J-hole, right? It is or it's what could J-hole. Yeah. Do you know I what a J-hole is, Mike? I don't know if I know what a J-hole is. Of course you don't, because yeah. it's something Tom and I made That's up. That's right. But oh, it's when, but it's when, when there's a <laughs> super cloudy day out, but there's one little hole in the sky that light is shining down. It looks like a laser beam coming out of the sky. And it's where Jesus comes down or ascends into heaven. <laughs> J-hole. It's a hole specifically for Jesus. It's just, yeah. it, you go. Ryan okay, took a picture of a great a one the other day. Yeah, makes, I mean, it was so the most perfect sense. J-hole ever. That's yeah. sick. so much sense. It's perfect. I love it. Maybe I love enough. it. You have to send me that picture. Sorry, we are getting very sidetracked on this on this episode. There's so much. So 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 they let the they shut the containment down, unit down. All the ghosts shoot out of the roof of the firehouse in a purple sky beam or whatever Mike just called it. I like it. it. I like Mike that Mike's copyrighted the sky beam. The sky I beam. love it. Totally first movie beam. with the sky beam. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Ghostbusters did it first. Yeah. So then they take uh, Rick Moranis' character or no, they don't take him there. How does it, how does he get there? He just there? walks he just there. Away. You he just see him walking away and yeah. then he gets up to her building. Right. right? Because because that the sky beam blows, blows out, everything out. Blows and out. Yeah. Away, and right. then they see that that's all blown out and then he goes up and finds her. Also, great part of the soundtrack that little bridge part of that song magic yes. which sounds nothing like the rest of the song but yeah. it's an amazing amazing part of the song i think that's so a very perfect cool song and there. that like yeah. that like um like kind of like subtle beat that's that's yeah. going as do, as do, the do, ghosts do, do, are kind of yeah. now the ghosts yeah. just run rampant all over new york city because everything right. they've caught 
for the last few months when the when the paranormal activity has quadrupled um to yeah, the size of a giant unleashed. Twinkie, the movie yeah, yeah it's yeah. just it, yes yeah, suddenly unleashed all over new york there's that great scene where there's the cab driver that's just like a rotting corpse that's like <laughs> yeah no time to dawdle 14th and whatever no yeah, time yeah, yeah. Uh, just driving oh into cars God, so good and slimers eating the hot dogs right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. crazy yeah so anyway, and then the Ghostbusters get arrested because they create right. an explosion in the city. Yep, yep. Um, Which the EPA guy is blaming on them, but it was actually his fault. No. He's the one who he's the one who set it off because the, they this, warned him that if he turned off the power grid, it would explode. Right. Which is one of the like most hilarious scenes to me, where where they're in the jail and they have the blueprints, and I'm like, in what world are you taken <laughs> to jail? And they're like, sure, bring, bring the, blueprints. the blueprints. Yeah, <laughs> bring sure. Them no like, you need shit. these? Here you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they're examining the 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 building that Dana and uh, Rick Moranis' character live in, and they realize that it's uh, basically like an antenna for the supernatural, and that at one point there was some guy that like built this building or whatever, and he was like having like occult uh, ceremonies on the roof to like conjure spirits and stuff like this, and trying to goes or usher in. He's Igor Shandor, right? Or something right. like that. Yeah, yeah. And sort of trying to usher in the end of the end times or something yeah. like that. He was, right? he was trying to, to make it exactly what it was, like something that that at the right time would be able to channel Gozer into into this universe. And it's fun too, because they're uh what's happened at this point in the film is they they've hired a contractor uh to help them with the work. So Ernie Hudson comes in as Winston, who becomes the fourth Ghostbuster, which originally was supposed to be a bigger part in the movie. Um played by Eddie Murphy. Played by Eddie Murphy. And then when Eddie Murphy uh, didn't sign on to the movie, they sort of minimized the part a bit. But he's still a, a really fun character because he gets arrested with them, and he's like, "I just work for these guys." Yeah, it's, it's like such a, a yeah. yeah. And then and then that transitions to my favorite uh, oh, part of the movie where scene. they get pulled before the mayor, yeah. Lenny. Oh my god! No other name. I I did was doing some research. There's no other name for the mayor. Just. Lenny. They <laughs> never talk about like yeah, first of all. That's amazing. Last and the now. and the and a and a bunch of one liners really quick oh. in that whole oh, the best, uh, to my in my book, the best one liners in this scene is when I think I know which one you're gonna say. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I know exactly what you're gonna say. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I gotta get this set up ready. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> what does he say? What's the first part of it? He says Dickless goes, over here. Dickless here, shut off the containment grid. <laughs> yes. Is that true? Yes, this is true. This man has this no, man dick. Has no <laughs> dick. <laughs> he delivers it so well. So oh my god! Perfect. Which, in my research, I read that that actor, what's his name, um, William Atherton. Yeah, that poor dude, like, oh, is like harassed, like was harassed for years and years and years, like to the point where he was like legitimately annoyed that he even did the role. Well, I mean, he he also was one of the wasn't he one of the the bad people in uh, or like a real not great character in Die Hard also. Like, he just plays the... Just oh, he was the... the worst he, like roles. The, he was like the broadcaster, right? That kind of, like, made light of the... Or was trying to take advantage of the situation. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, okay. I'm going to tell you in a sec. That's but, right. He was. I forgot about that. Doesn't he get punched? Doesn't she punch him at the end? I think so. He's in Die Hard but, and Die Hard 2. Uh, doesn't Bruce Willis, is the, the, his wife, his ex-wife or whatever, she punches, punches him, him or she? something, yeah. I, so. I haven't watched that movie for a while, but I I heard a story about him. He said um, a a school bus drove by one time when he was walking down the street, 
And all the kids just are screaming out the windows, hey, dickless. And it's just like, could you imagine being known for oh that? I don't know if it's amazing or horrible. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's the just, thing. I think that yeah. was the problem. It wasn't so much that. It was more like the fact that people, like you said, people perceived him as like, this asshole this person, person. Who's, yeah. but he yeah. was just a character. Yeah. Like his characters that he just played, a character actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah very good character actor, right? Oh yeah, he, he's yeah, he did great it well. in this role. Yeah. Yep, he did it yeah, exceptionally he did it. well. Yeah, he he plays it. the jerk perfectly. Yeah, he did it well. Um, sorry. So where where were we? So they, Dickless turns off the containment grid. They're at the mayor's. Uh, oh, that's right. They mayor sides with the Ghostbusters and gives them the go ahead to go try to stop. Zool goes yeah, or because whatever, they they right? and yeah. that's where they deliver like my favorite line. They're telling him that basically an apocalypse is coming of biblical proportions. Uh, we said Bill Bill Murray gets to give the line: human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria, mass hysteria. and they sway him to to and and then that's another another great kind of musical almost like montage scene yeah. the ghostbusters with it looks like the, the national escort. guard yeah, escort. the national yeah. guards yeah. there pull yeah. up to the building yeah. to go in and fight gozer yeah i i one, one other i the the one line from the scene in the mayor's office that i love that i think is underrated is the police commissioner that goes the walls the way he says it his intonation yeah. the walls of the 53rd precinct were bleeding yes and oh, it's yes. just epic no. absolutely absolutely yeah, so, so they pull up to the building they get a police escort over to the building there's like uh, like all this shit's happening the 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 sidewalk the the road in front of the building is like there's it they fall in they, yeah. they collapses there's like an earthquake sort of and they fall into this hole and then it's like you know mass hysteria is going on and then eventually it like calms down and they crawl out of the hole and the whole crowd freaks out it's like yeah ghostbusters and um Okay, can I also say one thing about it? the crowd that they they gather there is just amazing, right? Because it's it's this multinational crowd. Like there's the Hasidic Jews, there's yep. the Harry Krishnas, yep. there's the everyday person holding the Ghostbuster tea out there, all cheering for these for for these guys to go save the world. It's it's, it's I rocker. love that. There's scene. a guy with like yeah. a, a yellow mohawk. Yeah, it's just like this amazing. And, and in my research, I read. Ron Jeremy is in the no. left hand corner. Are you of the screen. serious? Ron Seriously? Jeremy was a was a cameo, as wow. well as Debbie Gibson. Debbie Gibson was in the where, when Rick Moranis goes up to the the what's that that restaurant on the green or whatever tavern on the green. She's yeah. one of the customers. You only see the top oh. of her head, but Debbie Gibson was there too. Wow, she was oh, a cameo hysterical. in this movie. That's a great that's, so that's a great scene too when he's yeah, banging on the glass and they just oh they God. listened. And, and then they don't they care. Yeah, they don't care. Yeah. <laughs> no one cares. Which is like such no. a, I mean, I hate to say such it, but it's like a quintessential yeah. New York reaction, totally. right? You're just, yeah. oh, there's another crazy person. Right. Yeah. Right. So anyway, they make it uh, up to uh, Dana's room. They realize that there's like a secret stairway that goes up to the roof. Uh, they get up there and... Um, <laughs> There's a how do you even describe what has happened? There, there's a goes there that goes there. There's like oh. an altar <laughs> like, of uh, yeah, sorts, like yeah. like a temple yeah. of sorts. Yeah, right. Has, yeah. Uh, either I, I don't know if it was always there, or or been revealed that there's a temper temple, right. almost like a ziggurat built into the top of this building, yeah. uh, which would make sense, right? Because it's like a Hittite and uh, Sumerian uh, god. Um, and they get up there, and sure enough. Gozer the Gozerian shows up in lady form. Right. And there's the the terror dogs. The terror dogs, which which the gatekeeper and the keymaster have now turned into dogs. They're turned into these dogs, which is the worst 
part of the movie, in my opinion. Oh, that's special the, the effects. effects. Yeah, the yeah, CG it's is pretty, so bad. When they're it's practical, not even CG. It's, when they're practical, sorry, not CG. It's it's stop motion. Yeah, but when they're practical, when they're just sitting there, and they obviously had puppets that were bigger, yeah. you can tell uh, those yeah. are pretty good. They but look when they're awesome. walking. There's like literally a blue outline around them. Yeah, yeah like it's, the, it's pretty rough. It's, it's pretty. Bad. But I mean, that was top of the line effects at the, at the time. time. Yeah, yeah, really. I, I I remember reading about how they spent so much money, or they had a. It, it was like one of the first movies to do some of the specific effects. There it was crazy. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, I mean, it, I I don't want to say like the special effects still hold up, but they're still really fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, it's a point in time. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I was watching it with a little closer eye this time, so they really stuck out to me. Um, and then also the, uh, even the 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 when they shoot their their wands or whatever, you, it's literally cartoon. It's literally drawn, you know, animations. You know what I mean? Which it's like when you're looking at it now, looks ridiculous. <laughs> like it looks so yeah. silly. But back then, man, that was like holy shit. Oh, like, yeah. We were losing our minds like, back when we were kids. Oh yeah. yeah. We found out Tom sent us a picture of himself dressed up. That was, I think, the first year I was a Ghostbuster. I think I was a Ghostbuster for three years, three Halloweens in a row. That's so awesome. how old were you in that picture? I was probably, I was at my old house, so I was, I think I was four or five. Yeah. <laughs> and my dad, if you look really closely at the picture, like, it was before, like, the original Ghostbuster TV show when they, they where you could buy the proton pack. Yeah. So my dad made this proton pack for me That's out awesome. of a cardboard oh box, a garden hose, and then a shower nozzle on oh the front. God. If you look closely at the picture, it's a shower nozzle. It's amazing. amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. That is so well, great. Yeah. It's, um, I loved, uh, they did that in Stranger Things season two. They had the kids dress up as Ghostbusters. and um, yeah. Oh, yeah. They all went as Ghostbusters, like, right? Yeah. And like yeah. different types of homemade proton packs, which like is great. I'm sure everybody was doing it. So everybody. cool. Yeah. Um, I think I think as a kid I was well we'll get to, I was not allowed to watch Ghostbusters I think as a kid <laughs> so I may have only seen this movie as a grown up but we'll get to that. Yeah. Anyway, so we are now on the roof, right? Yep. Yep. We are going to see another amazing another amazing line delivery. Ray uh they tell Ray to go up and talk to her and I I oh man, I wish I had the line in front of me. Uh goes with the Gozarian as a duly appointed. Do you remember what the line yeah. is? He like this duly appointed citizen of the city, state, and something of New York. I hereby appoint <laughs> yeah, like it city, to city, state, county. Uh, yeah. Like right, like he, yeah. I, I hereby uh, request you to to depart to the nearest parallel dimension or something like that. Right? I, yes. I, God, I wish I knew this by the by, by heart. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that's it. Are or or the nearest God. convenient parallel dimension. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my God! And then the question. Are you a god? And I love, he turns and looks at them like, what do I say? And Venkman just like, you know, it's like, you got this. And he, yeah, no. <laughs> then die. Oh, it's so she, great. And she blasts them, right? Electrocutes like, them off the bridge. Yeah, like. Uh, but, but it's the Winston line where he goes, Ray, next time somebody asks you if you're god, you say, you say yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Okay. So then anyway, so we get to the point where then Gozer says Choose the form of the destructor. Choose the form of the destructor. And so who which one is it that, that realizes what what's Ray? Say? It's Ray. Yeah. Realizes like It th- just popped in there. No, no, no. Somebody says no, Venkman, Venkman figures says, it out. Oh, Venkman realizes, yeah. Figures out what she's yeah. saying, says 
Get everything out of your head. Don't think of anything. Yeah. And then you see Dan Aykroyd's face through that whole oh, scene is, is amazing. So good. He plays it so good because you can tell he knows he's thinking of something. <laughs> His act, I took a note about this. His acting in this movie is amazing because he plays such the kind of, I don't want to say dumb, but just kind of like. Gotta be the best performance of his career, right? And that's not Dan Aykroyd. Like, you've seen Dan Aykroyd play like good, like smart, sharp characters. He plays it so well. Oh my God. Yeah. So, anyway, what's happening when Dan Aykroyd is having this. This look on his face <laughs> is he's thinking of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, who is in this in the Ghostbusters world is we're, we're led to believe that this is like a beloved character from you know your childhood. In fact, Sigourney Weaver has a, a pack of yes, uh, marshmallows, marshmallows yeah. on her uh, counter when she goes grocery shopping. Um, and he's he's I read what they were trying to do is supposed to be a cross between the Michelin Man. And, and the Pillsbury, the Pillsbury Doughboy, yeah. right? Yep. And that's what it is. It's a fun little uh, corporate character that, that they would put on their marshmallows, and it's the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. He's a sailor, which He's makes sailor. no sense. Why is a marshmallow man a sailor? Still, oh, my God. It's so still good. so ridiculous. And all of a sudden, you hear, like, I think, do you hear him first, or do you see, like, oh, you see the top of his head? Yeah, yeah, his hat. giant, yeah. like... What is oh it? My God. 30 story, 40 story? 30, 30, the, reveal, story. the reveal on that scene. <laughs> right. You see the hat coming through the, the city like yeah. Godzilla. It's so well done. And the reveal when you turn and see the full body shot is so good. Because he's it's, like giant. He's 30 stories tall, but he's got this shit grin on his face. <laughs> <laughs> and he's destroying the city like Godzilla. It's amazing. Stepping on churches. And, uh, yeah. Absolutely genius. It's one of the best. Yeah. Like, who thought of this? I don't know. Right? It's, it's someone sat around and came up with that idea. I love it. And then another great line. What is it? Venkman later is like, nobody steps on a church in my town. In my town. Yeah. Oh, my God. So then they start they then they start trying to shoot him, right? With their with their rays. Yep. And he catches on fire. Oh. <laughs> so it's flaming maybe <laughs> like a, a s'more without it's the graham and the chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. So then it, then they realize <laughs> that they're not gonna be able to like defeat him by just, just spraying him with their with their rays and they realize they have like an epiphany of the idea from earlier of crossing the streams. And is it, I think it's Egon, right? That says, Egon says it, yeah. like, we need to cross our streams in the sort of portal that Gozer came out the, of, right? The door swings both ways, right? That's the line, right? If they cross the streams, they can, they can push the door back closed, right? right. By, yeah. Right. Yeah. Total protonic reversal. So they decide to cross the streams in the sort of portal that, 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 that this being has come out of. And it like blows up or whatever, I guess. And and all of a sudden, there's mar- the state of marshmallow man explodes, and there's marshmallow all, all over everybody except for Bill Murray's character, which I don't oh, understand I love why. That. I love I do. that. Why? Because uh, he just wouldn't let them do it in the real yeah. world. The story that I heard—that's what I figured. Like, no, yeah. so they put a he little, like a little bit little on him. Yeah. yeah, but he's that's like, what I no. figured. Be- but like story wise, I was like, why? Like, that makes no sense. And I'm like, oh, he just didn't want them to put it on him. He that's just didn't want. Happened. That's why the other other three are drenched. Drenched. And he has just a little. I mean, it's it's a fun sight gag too that he barely has any, but it's one hundred one hundred percent Bill Murray just wouldn't do it. Yeah, and I'm assuming it looked it just looked like shaving cream or something. Yeah, that's what it looked like to me. Yeah, yeah. And he would. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, kind of a prima donna thing to do. Oh yeah, oh yeah. 
and then uh, <laughs> and then and then Sigourney Weaver. Um, this is a great uh, practical effect, by the way. Oh yeah, she comes out of the where, yeah, where the, she starts clawing out of the out of the, the burnt dog. The dogs burnt turn dog. to stone, and they think she's burnt to a crisp. They're, they're like crisp stone, right? And she's inside it and comes out. That was really good. Because then they start so, picking it apart, and yep. that, was, that was a really good yep. effect. Yeah, yeah. Also, Sigourney Weaver, just amazing. Gorgeous in this movie. Like, amazing. Yeah. Such a great, just phenomenal. Although, I, I every time I see Sigourney Weaver, I, I do, no matter what she's doing, no matter what scene it is, even in this movie, I do immediately want her to, like, morph into that scene in Aliens where she's riding down the elevator, taping the... Yeah. The uh, machine guns together, but that, that's a whole other thing. Um, I just, I'm very much in love with her uh, as, as I think the greatest action star of the eighties, but agreed. Great, great in this movie as this role, Bill Murray gets the girl still don't understand it, but yeah. so be so it. They, they save the day. They go downstairs. Everyone's cheering for them. Bill Murray gets the girl. End of story, right? That's it. Somehow it's morning. It felt like it was oh, like nine at night and on. then it's morning. They're literally yeah. in that scene when they're going upstairs, it jumps back and forth between day and night like three times. There's a scene of the building where it's pitch black, right? Yep. Then they go upstairs and it's daytime. Yep. <laughs> and then the next scene, it's dark again. It yeah. literally yep. goes back. The continuity yeah, is not Yeah, it, and mind. it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the, the idea is that uh, darkness has gathered around the building as as Gozer the Gozerian has arrived. But yeah, it's definitely not a consistent. It's a little bit of inconsistent yeah. storytelling there for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but it's an artificial darkness, right? It's it's kind of blotted right. up. The sun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. I love this movie. It's, yeah, it's great. It's great. So, okay, so that's, we meandered there for a little while, but that's the synopsis, you know, obviously this is a different episode, different type of episode for the Cinemarter podcast, but it's a Halloween episode, so we're trying to have fun. Um, but Tom, this is, again, your top uh, tied for first place, probably, uh, movie of all time yeah. for you. So what are, your, what are your takeaways? What are your themes that you think about when you see this movie, when you watch it, or what, what what's something new maybe you saw on this viewing, or... Uh, I don't know. What, do you have any thoughts that you want to sort of uh, talk about right now? Yeah. So, so I have I have two, and I've, uh, just to be candid, I did do a little bit of googling about this, like the meaning behind Ghostbusters. And right on. Um, sorry, come in here closer. So, the big one that the internet says is this is a pinnacle Reagan Reaganomics movie. Interesting. Like how it is like. Capitalism at its finest, you know, job creators, the (laughs) EPA, big government coming in, screwing everything up. And I think it even came like I think Reagan even viewed the movie and said, like, this is brilliant. Like, this is the best movie (laughs) ever. You know, like they got like an accolade from from, you know, the the the, uh, you know, the president about how good this movie is. And it, it, it is if you look at it at the surface level. Yeah, there's a lot of kind of very, you know, Republican-esque themes that are throughout it. Well, there's a great line. I, I'm I'm just remembering this now. You're saying it. It's one of the one of the funniest lines in the movie on that level where uh, they get fired from the university and Ray says yep. to he goes, Venkman, he goes, Venkman, you've never worked in the private sector before. I have. They expect results or something yeah. like that. It's <laughs> such a funny. It's such a funny line. And then they say, like, Einstein's done his best work as a patent clerk. And then they go, do you know how much a patent clerk makes? Like, it's <laughs> great. There's so many, so many good lines. Yeah. Um, but, you know, at the same time, like, you have to realize these guys are, hard, like, Dan Aykroyd, like, hardcore 
liberal Canadian person. So it, I I don't know if that was maybe just the zeitgeist at the time that was bringing that into it. But so, you know, and then there's other things on the internet that say like, yeah, you could take that away from it, but it's really what it means to you. And maybe that's not exactly what they meant. And it was just kind of the times, but the thing that, that, that I took away from it. And I think the thing that I realized this past week while kind of researching or thinking about the movie was the entrepreneurial spirit Mm-hmm. of yeah. this movie yeah. and you know how you know th- these guys they're guys right w- stepped away from academic life took a chance took a risk found something and built something and i do think you know i work in the tech world you know and there are a lot of people my age that this is like a hyper nostalgia movie but i and ryan and i have a business together also and i think some of that and some of the 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 ideas in the movie actually spurred at least me and probably a bunch of other people to think like, Oh, I can go do this. I can step out and do something and take something and make something on my own. If these guys who were scientists, you know, who lived in academia can go do this and make it happen. So, and and I do have a, sorry, a tertiary thing too, where I, for the first, you know, three semesters I was in college, wanted to be a scientist and mm. I think these guys actually made science seem cool. Like before the idea of being a scientist before this or the idea of scientists before this movie were kind of these nerdy people who didn't really do anything or weren't really, you know, kind of back in the back office, like back behind the scenes. And I think Venkman being kind of the, you know, the the true like protagonist in the movie kind of made science cool. And it really, yeah. I, it really opened up the idea of being a scientist and the love for science for me also. So yeah, I dig that. That that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, I definitely see the entrepreneurial thing. I mean, that resonates deeply. And I, and I kind of did notice that when I watched through the movie at this point, because they they do like, you know, he takes that second mortgage, they roll a bunch yep. of money into this, and then they make it big. And then there's this kind of, um, it is it is funny too, like parts of the system work with them, parts of the system don't yeah. work for them. The academics are kind of the bad guys. The EPA are kind of the bad guys. Um, all the cops in the movie, they're all small parts, but they're all portrayed fine. Um, yeah. the mayor doesn't yeah, necessarily get a bad rep. Yeah, yeah. Even, even the part yeah. where, um, uh, where they're the guy from the EPA is there and he has the police with him cause he has the court order and Venkman's yep. giving him a hard time. He goes, you know, you can shoot him. And he's like, what does he say? Like, uh, he said, uh you do your job pencil neck and I'll do mine. Right. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. fantastic. Um, it's such a, like. It's, man, yeah, I see that. And also, you know, the thing that's interesting, too, I'm thinking about the science. Um, I love I love that line, back off, man, I'm a scientist. I love that they never tell you how, but clearly they build all this crazy technology that just works, right? Yeah. So they're builders and they're good at it. And then yeah. there's also this kind of fun blending of, like, what is science and what is pseudoscience? And yeah. I can't, I you know, I was too young. 84, I was, like, a kid. But but there has been this kind of, especially in the realm of psychology, and and you know, Tom, you and I share a, a love of Carl Jung, like this this movement in and out yeah. of um, when is parapsychology a legitimate yes. study and when isn't it? Totally so Carl right. Jung, my favorite psychologist of all time, um, his original dissertation was written on, if I remember correctly, a relative of his who was supposedly channeling spirits, and one of the things that made him interesting uh-huh. in his time was very famous very significant, very culturally well-received, even though he had this terrible break with Freud, but also super fascinated in paranormal stuff. Yeah. Like, super, super interested in the occult. Like, 
Yep. Like definitely yeah, someone who I believe would have been would have been at least in the conversation of Gozer and the Gozerian and his weird yep. ass followers. Um and just kind of like explored literally everything. Every weird thing that humans could get into was fascinated yep. by. And I I kind of um, you know, again, I'm I'm seeing what I want to see in the movie, but I like the reading of that into it that the yeah, it, it sort of legitimizes these quote unquote uh parapsychologists. Well, I think it 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 took something that might have been a little bit more taboo, right? Especially mm-hmm. at the time, like thinking in the kind of conservative eighties. Yeah. And made it something that almost seemed nor especially for myself. And I think maybe you know, something that like like you said, I love Carl Jung, I think the focus that he had on the occult on this would i have been as open to that stuff or that idea if it wasn't for this movie and kind of this this bringing this to the mainstream and making it seem normal and not even just doing that but almost making like making heroes out of these people yeah right and and saying like yeah you don't need to hide in the shadows if you believe this stuff you could actually be the hero of the day if you do absolutely well, if I remember correctly, Dan Aykroyd is like legitimately into oh, totally. the occult, right? Like yeah. one hundred percent. Dan Aykroyd, yeah. UFOs, ghosts, all that shit. He he yeah, crystal is crystal skulls, crystal yeah. skulls. Yeah. Right? Doesn't he have like a crystal skull vodka? Vodka. There it is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Dan Aykroyd, big time into that stuff. Like, um, yep. you can Google him talking about talking about it, and I feel like maybe he has relatives or something that have had some. Some crazy haunting say, I think experiences. It's, I think it's generational. I think it's like going back, like his father, grandfather, I think they were all like into the occult and stuff like that. Well, and see, I mean, I, I love, I love that shit. It's the, the, so I, I like the Carl Jung side of it, which is the study of it, where yeah. like whether it's real or not, it's psychologically fascinating. Um, and he, he pulls some really interesting stuff out. And also I'm captivated by people who think it's real. So, so one of the things that I find the most interesting, uh, this is a tangent, but it's this book called, have you ever heard of Vampire, His Kith and Kin? Um, it's a I book that was, have you heard of it? No, no. I've heard it of Kith was, and Kin and I think of Chevy Chase. Christmas, Christmas Vacation. Vacation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Vampire, His Kith and Kin <laughs> is a book that was... Um, written by Augustus Montague Summers, and he was a priest, a teacher, and an English author. And um, and I think he was ordained in like 1908. So just he was between eight, you know, 1800s, 1900s. And he wrote this book as a vampire hunting manual. And to this day, <laughs> no one knows if he wrote it as a really creative wow. work of fiction or if he was serious. But all <laughs> signs seem to point to the fact that he was serious. Wow. And this priest wrote a legitimate vampire hunting wow. guide. Wow. Right? That's amazing. There's just some like <laughs> yeah. stuff out there, you know. Carl Carl Jung really did talk a lot about the fact that he believed that one way or another, whether it was a psychological phenomenon in the collective unconscious or something that that existed in some realm, like the dead were all around us. Um mm-hmm. and that some people were communicating with them. But uh but you know, like it gets into other fun stuff. People believe in werewolves and vampires and and whatever else. Why not? Right. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so okay. So I have to know how does that land, uh, Ryan? You first. What, what's your What's your take? Hot take on ghosts, man. Uh, yeah, I think it's all bullshit. My uh, my girlfriend, <laughs> she's super super one hundred percent believes in them, and she's got some family stories that go back about hauntings that 
uh, family residence they have and stuff like this. And I'm constantly like, we, we, we kind of get into it a little bit, like in a fun sort of playful way, but sort of, you know, um, she's always worried that that ghosts are going to come into the house or whatever. And I'm always like, it's bullshit. Like, I don't, like, I don't, I don't buy it. You know? Yeah. I don't, I don't buy ghosts. Uh, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, other paranormal, yeah, other paranormal stuff, you know, like we talked about the one time I'm down with aliens, you know, that I'm down with, I'm open to the possibility that Bigfoot is some thing that we haven't discovered or whatever, you know, but ghosts, it doesn't make sense to me. So, well, it's an interesting thing. I had a, I had a friend who lived on a, on a reservation for a while as a teacher and he, uh, he said all the dudes there explained to him that, that the reason no one's ever successfully captured a Bigfoot is because Bigfoot's supernatural. Yeah. Um, mm. Bigfoot's a spirit. Of By the, the way, I, this is a little creepy, but I think a ghost might have just come through the door behind you. Hey, you saw the door behind me open? That's my cat. It was the cat. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. The cat's super agitated. <laughs> it was creepy, though. It was like, I was like, like oh, oh my God. And the yeah. door just opened yeah. magically. Yeah, no, okay. that was the cat opening the door. He's the, You know how many times he's done that behind me and someone has freaked out and been like, you live alone, right? There's someone in your house. And I'm like, oh there is God. someone in my house. It's my cat. He's agitated because of the drunk person yelling on the street, like Rick okay. Moranis when he's being chased by the, by the demon dog. All right, Tom, hot take. Ghosts, what do you think? Um, you know, I don't, I, I don't have a definitive answer on that. I can't say that it's something that I've ever been like, oh, staunchly no against. Um, I've had a few experiences in my time. Um, one specifically after my grandmother died, um, where I had a few weird things happen around the house that kind of, um, and we were because we were very close. I was basically raised by my grandmother for for mm. uh, for a bunch of years. Um, so it 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 l- pushes me into a realm of saying like, yeah, there's 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 some type of connection there with uh, w- with the other side. What about you, Mike? Yeah, I mean, I, there's a lot of layers of it for me, and I kind of uh, it depends on the. Um, it depends on the the day that you catch me, right? So even even like Ryan and I talk about this because I'm a I'm a religious studies guy and and you know also spirituality is sort of my thing. Um, yeah. But but I had a friend one time say, you know, uh, I think he said it of Episcopalians, but it's kind of like where my where where I live too. He's like, you know, a good Episcopal is an atheist at least two days a week. So I so I sort of <laughs> like I move in and out of a uh, uh, belief and entertaining. But but one of the things I think. That's fascinating to me is is the multidimensionality of it. So mm-hmm. I I definitely believe that um, the 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 dead ancestors, people who've gone before us, still sort of live around us because they live inside us. So whether it's um, like genetic memory, you know, they they find out mm-hmm. more and more that so for yeah. example, trauma can be passed on for multiple generations. Um, I think there's got to be other types of genetic memory that get passed on. I think we inherit the unfinished psychological baggage of our parents. I think that's just a, I, I don't even think yeah. anyone would debate that. And I, and I think it can't just be the bad stuff either. So I think there's, there's an aspect of that. And then, um, I don't know, you know, I have, I have people that I've cared about my mom, my brother, my, my grandparents and so on and so forth, mentors, teachers who've, who've all passed away. And, and I, I sometimes, uh, you know, I, I have the sense of people around. I've had them appear to me in dreams, and I don't know if that's my psyche or if that's something else. But I will say, when I was a kid, I was very religious, and I didn't have a lot of room for for ghosts. Um, then I went through my like hardcore Jungian phase where I thought everything 
was a um was just the psych psychological phenomena. So these things were all projections of things that were happening inside us. Um and then I kind of came out of that. I think partially I think I realized Jung Jung didn't quite take it that dogmatically. And I find lately um I had a teacher who once talked to me about living in the as if, where it's like at a certain point you're like, hey, why not live as if it's true, right? But why not live in the imaginal universe you want to live in? And I find lately that I'm a lot more comfortable living in a crowded universe where like, hmm. sure, maybe, maybe there are ghosts around. Maybe, maybe the spirits of loved ones are, are kind of hanging about. Maybe there's, uh, you know, things that I don't, I don't really know, uh, that are, uh, that are influencing the world around me beyond what i experience in the traditional ways and i and i i think at the end of the day i just like living in a crowded universe so i'm i'm living more and more there sort of um trying to be a little more in touch with with i don't know you know it sounds a certain way to be like i'm trying to live in touch with my ancestors but i kind of am lately um yeah so i i think um yeah i've been i've been trying to make a little more room for that. And even as I'm, I'm, I you see my cat is totally like making out with the microphone. I don't know if you can see that. He's <laughs> yes. like rubbing up all against it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've been, I've been, um, I did, I did so much studying the major monotheisms. I've been studying more indigenous religions and spiritualities lately. And, and there's a lot more going on. And um, that seems like a captivating world to live in. Sorry. Mm. That's like a long rambling answer, but no, that's, no, no. that's about what I've got out of it well, so far. Can I ask a question real yeah. quick? Because I actually have a interesting story. Because we have a friend here uh, that, that I want to talk about. Because I think this is the closest touch that I've had with the Beyond. But Mike, what is your closest touch that you've had with some? Like, th- where have you touched the uh, uh, ethereal plane, as they would put it <laughs> in the movie, or like the 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 most engagement you've had with something? Hmm. Oh in man! The spiritual world. That's. I would need a minute to think about that. Um, and also, I'm, I'm debating what I'm willing to talk about on on, on, a, on a recorded <laughs> podcast for lots of other people to hear about. Uh, so one of the stories I've already told in this podcast is like uh, one. Um, this is like a haunting story. Uh, I had a girlfriend one time who worked at a video store that was supposedly haunted, and uh, and I did tell that story already on this podcast about um uh them telling us that this that the ghost kept locking a particular door and then i went into the closet to make sure there was no one in there and i i it was actually the porn room in the video store to be fully honest but um and then i kind of uh you know put a chair in front of the door where i knew that no one could get in and out, out without me seeing it and said okay ghost if you're real i know this door is unlocked i've just checked it. go ahead and lock the door um and then I waited about 10 minutes and the door was locked. Oof. And uh, everyone who worked there and claimed the video store was haunted was like, see, the ghost locked the door. And Ryan knows how this story ends where I, I he said to my girlfriend at the time, I was like, ooh, that's crazy. And she goes, no, the ghost is really acting up tonight. Um, and as we were then later in the evening getting ready to leave, we turned everything off. Uh, there was a bunch of different uh, television monitors that we had to turn off individually and powered everything down, turned the lights off. And um, armed the alarm. And so the alarm started its countdown. So we had 30 seconds to get out of the out of the building and turn around and lock it. So we didn't set off the alarm and call the police. And as it was counting down, just as we were exiting, um, 
I turned around and one by one, like boop, 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 every single one of the television monitors turned themselves back on. Whew. Just like boop, 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 boop. And I Oof. saw it happen. It, it happened one at a time. Uh, a girlfriend at the time uh, literally was standing right next to me. There's no way she could have had a remote or anything without me seeing it. And I looked at her and she's just like, ah, the ghost, so frustrating. We had to step outside, <laughs> let, the, let the building fully arm itself, wait uh, a few minutes till we could reset it, go back in and then manually turn all the televisions wow. off. Uh, it, yeah, so, so that's like my haunting story. And hold on, dear listener, you've heard this story once before. You've now heard it again. In your mind's eye, this video store, it's like the house from the Adams family, right? It's some creepy old building that a ghost would have lived in and been haunting. And it's terrifying, right? That's what's in your mind's eye. No. Picture the strip mall in your local town that has a pizzeria and a video store in it that was built in 2002. It's the most remarkable place. Haunting was happening. Why would a ghost <laughs> haunt there? Um. Yeah. And like, it's, what it's, is the what? <laughs> I took a picture of it the other day. I passed it. I was up that way, and I said, "This is the this is the ghost haunting video store, right, Mike?" And he's yeah, like, "Yeah, oh, 100%. oh my god, you know, it's the weirdest." And, and so, so let's start. You know, we're talking about like um, kind of pesky. And I know Tom, you have a story to tell, so I'm going to shut up in a second. But we're talking no, like no, that's no, 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 kind no. of more great. more pesky stuff. Um, the the organization that I work for, there's a few of us that believe that one of the campuses is is haunted um, because we've had a few like weird experiences there. Nothing big, just like the real overwhelming sense that someone is behind you or like the feeling of a hand on your shoulder and you turn around and there's no one there. Uh, one, several. So, so uh, one of the, one of the, um, one of our campuses was an AIDS hospice for a while. So, um, you know, there's, there's, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of people died there. New Mexico here is weird, man. It's old. It's old, oh, old yeah. culture here. It, it's it's one of the few places where like Pueblo people around here were not relocated, so that you have uh, arguably thousands of years of culture here. I've been to places like Chaco Canyon, and there's just there's just a there's a heavy heavy energy there. Um, hmm. You know, for for reasons sort of unknown, the Chaco people all like they just left. I don't know, like eight hundred years ago, something like that. And it's, um, you know, there's been that stuff. Um, I've had I've had dreams where my mom or my brother have showed up, and I've kind of come between wake and sleep, and really, really felt like their presence was there. Um, I had a dream. I had a dream one time. My brother showed up, and all it was was he and I were laughing. We were laughing so hard we were crying because Ryan, you remember this? Like we would, we would yeah. get into like talking shit and joking around, and yeah. and I and I it wasn't like a dream. Like I woke yeah. up and I was like, God, that felt like he was really here. Um, Tom, <laughs> what do you think, man? I don't know. So it, it it's really funny and almost like synchronistic because so it, if you, Mike, you're, you're seeing, we have our buddy Matt hanging around in the background who I did wonder we, if he was a ghost. Cause there's, there's like a yeah, dark presence exactly. moving in the background <laughs> and I can't, I can't uh, uh, figure yeah. out what was, I was like, is there a human back there? Do they know that? <laughs> okay. So we're, we're about to have this, you know, this guy's weekend that we haven't done for about five years. Um, but I had an action experience at Matt's wedding and I haven't seen Matt. What I haven't seen you for, two three years or so mm. yeah. so it's really weird to have him here today to talk about this 
but I had this really weird experience at his wedding. Um, so Matt, I hope you don't mind me talking about this. We'll cut it if, 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 if you do, but, um, his wife's, um, uh, father died, uh, before they got well, before they got married and they were really close. Mm. And, um, when the ceremony was outside in Philadelphia and when his wife gave this really great kind of speech or, or somebody was talking about her dad Mm. and right when she was talking about her dad, a butterfly came into frame and I was like, that's crazy. And I took a picture of it and, uh, took like multiple pictures of it. And I went up to her afterward. I'm like, Hey, you know, there was a butterfly that was there when, when you were talking about your dad, just tears came down and she was like, Mm. yeah, that is how I have always talked to my dad. He's always been a butterfly here and I can't believe you caught it on film and I can't believe you captured a picture of it. And it was one of those moments that was just a really heartening, but crazy and unbelievable moment. And I can't believe that Matt's actually here because I think (laughs) it was one of the craziest things that I've experienced from kind of the other side. Um, So yeah, that, that, that it's sorry, Matt. I hope you don't mind me sharing. And once again, to bring it down, I remember that wedding as being the hottest fucking wedding I've ever been at. (laughs) Well, I, I, and it's true. That, it was. Yeah. yeah but yeah. that's the, um, you know, I, I appreciate that so much because my sister has a thing with dragonflies yeah. because she associates dragon, she associates dragonflies with my mom. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, um, it's, it's the, uh, one of my mentors, uh, took a pilgrimage to go see his favorite, um, uh, mystic to see the, the her home or monastery or wherever she was. I think it was Teresa of Lisieux. I don't remember the story. And while he was there, um, a butterfly flew into the room, and um, there, there was like he had this interaction with it, and he was trying to let it out the window or something of the sort. And then this this woman who was I think I think a nun who worked there came over and uh, and said to him. I have a, a relic, which in the, in the Catholic or the Orthodox Church, a relic is usually like a, a piece of a bone. She said of, of Teresa that I'm supposed to give to you. I've had it for X amount of time. Wow. And I was always told that I would know the right person to give it to. And there was a connection with the butterfly. And so for him, it's his favorite wow. mystic. And now he has it. Um, this is Richard Morgan. He has it. Uh, wow. and so I'm not doing justice to the story as only he can tell. But it's wild when these things happen, man. Yeah. The synchronicity breaks into our normal world to to open other possibilities and i do think i do think you're spot on to correct us to 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 more than that i i i move in and out of my relationship with the the kind of religion that i grew up with but there was this great um scripture that they used to quote all the time and it was this thing of like we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses so we run the race set before us and uh people would always tell like oh yeah you got to keep going and work hard and run the race and all this stuff and and in years past, I've been like, now I think I think that like surrounded by a cloud of witnesses thing is the really cool part of that that no one ever talks about, yeah. which is this notion of, um, maybe the people who've gone before us are watching over us. I'll say just one more thing and then I'll shut up. There was a psychoanalyst named Masad, uh, I think Khan, and uh, he's super controversial, a little crazy, um, but he had this this theory that. What people needed more than anything else in the world was to feel seen and to mm-hmm. feel that their deepest secrets and their deepest sufferings were seen um, and known. And so he said the reason that, that therapy kind of evolved 
was because as a species, we started to lose the sense that the gods were watching over us and seeing, just just witnessing what we were going through in life. And that's why he thought therapy evolved. And personally, that's why I think we developed as a species social media, to be honest, is because we do want to feel seen. Yeah. But I think this idea of returning to the notion that maybe our loved ones who who kind of aren't with us still are, you know, and do see the shit that we're going through, even when no one else does. Like, I take comfort from that, even if it's a fantasy. And I'm not convinced that it is, but I take comfort from it. I take a great deal of comfort from it. Yeah. Even, and I think, and I think that's the, that's the key in my mind. It's, it's the idea that it's the idea of the idea, right? The, 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 the thought that it, that maybe if they are there and and maybe if we're, we're, we're manifesting it on our own through whatever it is. Yeah, it still is very comforting, and I had similar yes. experience when my grandmother passed away. But the the one with with Matt's uh, Matt's wife was uh, was probably oh, the closest I've had. It was that's it was, really was, gorgeous. I'll, I'll tell yeah. you, I'll throw you another oh, another weird one at you. Um, I've been so busy. Like we've been talk- we talked about this at the top of the call. I have been running and running and running and running. It's been it's been one of those things where like I can't even go to the bathroom without carrying my phone with me to use Oof. it as an opportunity yeah. to return emails because it's so <laughs> oh, so busy right now. And, um, and after lots of quarantine, I've been surrounded by people. It's the most extroverted energy I've had to put out in a long time. Mm, yeah. And I was talking to to my therapist right now, who's, who's really, really uh, brilliant, um, and, and, uh, very well trained, really knows the science, and then also is willing to kind of push the, push the boundaries of things in ways that I like. And I said, you know, it's so funny. I'm so busy. I'm so surrounded by people. And yet I've been feeling so lonely lately. And she said to me, you know, you have a lot of people in your life who are no longer here, who have passed on, um, but are also still kind of here. But you still need to make time to spend with those people, Um, which was an interest. I never thought about that in a million years. And it was a really interesting thing to to think about. And it, it made me think how important it is in my life to make sure that I have time in quiet when I'm just listening deeply and whether I'm listening deeply and I'm actually making space to spend time and be open to like my mom and my grandfather and my, and my, uh, you know, my first academic mentor, Glenn or, or, uh, or my brother, or I'm just listening deeply to the rhythm of my own heart or, you know, or the place where they overlap. Like, yeah. Yeah, how important it really is to kind of create Absolutely. a space to be open to to whatever chooses to present itself. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, that's a wild synchronicity that Matt was here and that you got to tell that story. That's pretty it, amazing. It, it just it just it just hit me, and I'm like, wow, yeah. yeah. Well, is, dear it listeners, is, it is it is beautiful to think that those people are looking down on you and watching you while you rub one out. That's it's uh and and I hope Ryan cheering you on. That's um, right. Dude. Absolutely. <laughs> Go get it. You can do it. Did Good you ever job. See- <laughs> Sorry, I've been trying. I've been holding back on making that joke while you guys were being serious as fuck for the past ten minutes. Have you seen that? We have you really seen having that? a moment there? I know you were. Really, I'm like sitting really, here because I don't believe just, in any of this. Hoodie. I know. I know. So, I know. I have you ever seen the uh, jerk off joke? Have you ever seen the um the the series of memes? Of the universe, I know I showed this to you, where it starts with like the planet Earth, and then it pulls out to the solar system, and then it pulls out to, what would that be, a galaxy? Galaxy. Uh, and then it pulls out to 
like some super cluster and then and then it pulls out the known universe and then it pulls out one more time and you see jesus standing all over the whole thing leaning down whispering don't masturbate yeah um yeah (laughs) (laughs) and the idea being that like if there's a god is that really what god's concerned with uh you like like ray's ghost dream in the movie oh my god Uh, why did we not talk about that great transition we need to talk about this because i read that that was not supposed to be a dream that in the original, they cut a ton of shit out of that scene, and it was supposed to be an actual thing that happened where they went to stay at like a fort somewhere, and that actually was supposed to happen in the movie. It wasn't supposed to be a dream. Well, he's dressed in this weird garb, right? At the same time, he's dressed in the, and I was always like, why is he dressed so weird? Like, is that yeah. part of the dream or whatever? Yeah, it's a, a totally different bedroom. Yeah. Uh, Because it cuts over to a totally different bedroom. I wondered about that because when I watched that today, I mean, yeah, like I was like, it's a there's a lot of weird cuts in that, and the fact that they have him dreaming in a different bed than the bed he's sleeping in. Yes, uh, was filmed, it was supposed to be, they said it was like a military fort or something. I think they were there to like investigate a ghost or something. And it actually happened in real life. (laughs) He actually, (laughs) he actually had a blowjob. Ghost job. From a, it's a ghost, like job. ghost job. Yeah. He got a ghost job. <laughs> it's such a like. It's 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 one of those. I felt uncomfortable watching it. Yeah. There's a few. There's a few lines <laughs> in this movie that I'm like, oh my god, I can't, I can't believe they got away with. It. Even when, um, when, uh, oh my god, uh, Sigourney Weaver, Dana slash Zool says to to Bill Murray, she says, I want you inside me. And he goes, sounds like there's at least two people in there already. Maybe a little crowded. <laughs> this, oh, my God. Oh, it's God. Um, yeah, it's, it, this is, this is a, a funny movie. Um, oh, God. Well, and that's the thing, you know, I know, I'm sure we're just about out of time, but one of the things, you know, and this is, this is something fun that I, I kind of would, would kick out to our listeners to think about is one, to like recognize those moments where you've felt the presence of someone that's that's you know uh, uh, not around but still seems to be around. But then the other thing is there is this kind of like fun uh, and not always fun. Uh, uh, you know, we think of ghosts as being spooky, and and we all know like horror stories, and we've run into that stuff. But I think what it really boils into is there's like a bit of mischief about it. Like there's a playful oh, totally. mischief to to yeah. most of the good like haunting encounters and i think that's good and i think it's good for us because you know and i think that's a bit of what this movie taps into in a fun way is it it's also bringing you back to not taking yourself too seriously or or the ideas by which you think you have reality figured out not to take them too seriously oh it's a good point it's a great point yeah i would agree with that mike can i can i ask you one question so you lived you've lived in new york yes sir i've lived in new york um almost not knowing that I've wanted to live in New York, but I felt like this movie is a, a, a love letter to New York in some ways. And I I thought that when I was watching it this past time, yeah. Um, because a friend, a good friend of mine, one of my best friends here, just went to New York City for the first time. He's very well traveled. He's very cosmopolitan, and just by some sheer dumb luck, he's been to thirty three countries. He's just never been. Wow. Um, to New York City. And so I couldn't help but think of that. And I was like, God, they love New York so much in this movie. And I love it yeah. so much. It's such yeah. a great New York City movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's, really it, well it, done. 
it it definitely when i was younger i always wanted to live in new york and and i think it was because of this movie yep. uh dude because it, it the, the some of the scenes especially like dana's apartment you yeah. have lincoln center yeah you have like the the brian the park branch there. at the library oh, yeah. like there's so many good and it wasn't a great city to live in at the time no. in 1984 no. but no, they did terrifying. such a great yeah. such a great job and like all the all the shots of um central park too right that were just absolutely yeah. amazing I have I have friends who went to New York City for the first time to do a Ghostbusters tour. Yes. And that's listen, if you're listening, it's a great reason to go to New York City. Like it's super fun. Absolutely. Like just get it on we a have, grid and go out and see all the places. Oh yeah. Tom and I with uh with our friend Liz went to Columbia and we did uh we we retook two of the scenes when they're there's the scene where they're where they uh they're walking down the the, the sidewalk there and they uh it's when uh they hand Egon the crunch bar, the crunch bar. Yep. So we recreated that scene uh, with Liz, and then we also recreated the scene where uh, Ray and Venkman are talking, and Ray Ray is laying on the on the ledge, right? It's Venkman laying on the ledge, but they're talking. That's uh, where they're having the patent clerk, like yep. private sector discussion. Yeah, right. I feel like you but, sent me those pictures, right? Yeah, yeah. we'll post them on yeah. the Instagram page. Yeah, it's we'll great. Post them on the Instagram page. It's so great, and I, I mean, listen, and I think. Columbia is one of the most gorgeous campuses. Oh my god! Anywhere, Amazing. so I love that they actually, you know, shot it there. That's such a beautiful. It's funny thinking about that now. You know, you guys mentioned that this is one of the rare '80s movies that doesn't portray New York at that time in like a yeah, dark, totally. Light. No, exactly. Nope. Do you know what I mean? Like yep. most yeah. of the '80s movies, New York was what it was, like, which was yeah. kind of like a Terrifying. scary. Yeah, yeah, scary place. It really is. A, it really is a love letter to New York. There's, yeah, it really is. Lots of, I well, lots of goodness it, there. Yeah. yeah, and I think it was funny because like that neighborhood up by Columbia is a is a kind of a spooky neighborhood because yeah. it's got a lot of like old Gothic structures. St. John the Divine is up there, which is a which yes. is a, a, the most beautiful cathedral I've ever been to, and the creepiest in its own strange Absolutely. way. Like it's like if gargoyles swept down, I would not be surprised at all <laughs> to or to find terror dogs statues and stuff up there um it's uh yeah gosh yeah that's well said man it is a good love letter dean the movie that made me want to move to new york was home alone 2 lost in new york oh that's a good one too yeah Yeah. i wanted i wanted uh i wanted a pigeon lady oh yeah oh i thought it was trump but fair enough yeah (laughs) i wanted trump and i got him i got him for four whole years and maybe another four yeah Yeah. Yeah. 24 to 28 um we'll all be lost in new york again soon um <laughs> Touche. Yeah. So wait, can, can, can I ask one more question? I know, I know we're you're asking right too many goddamn questions. I know you're never got, you're never going to let me come back, back on, this, on this. You're podcast. never going to let me on this fucking podcast again. My award-winning podcast. I know. I, I know. gave myself an award. I was going to say, where are the awards from? So, probably another selfish question here, but do you guys remember? So this movie is just pure nostalgia for me, like absolute nostalgia. Do you remember? The first time you saw it, no. So, so that's a great question. I'm trying to remember because I because my family grew up super religious and and did actually yeah, believe in this, evil no. spirits. They did believe no. in evil spirits. So we didn't get ghosts. We had demons when I was growing up, which is a whole other thing. Stuff scared the shit out of you when you were a kid. I wouldn't Demon have been allowed Busters to watch. Just doesn't have the same. No, 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 no. To it. yeah. yeah. <laughs> really doesn't i did i had i definitely watched this as a teenager on my own like i self-elected to watch it um or i'm wondering if like maybe a cousin showed it to me uh Mm -hmm. when my parents weren't around 
because I know I didn't get to watch it, like I said, as a kid when it came out, but I don't remember watching it for the first time. Like, I remember remembering it, if that makes sense. Got it. Okay. By the way, what about you, you said, though? You said Demon Busters? Demon Busters. I yeah, think it's just not so. Uh, Dan Aykroyd's original title title for the movie was Ghost Smashers. Ooh, <laughs> that's and it took place in the future. Yes, yes, it was multi like multi dimensional time. Yeah. Well, they said that. Yeah. I guess the original thing was there was supposed to. It was like Ghostbusters were like, uh, like a, all around the world. There was like multiple yeah. groups of Ghostbusters yep. everywhere. Yep, so. it was just the thing. But, I'm glad they yeah. went with this. You guys Tell remember the first time you saw it? I, I do not. Do you remember? Ryan? I do not. Okay. I, it was probably, I was young. I was young. I do not know if I was as, I don't know if I saw it when it came out. It's doubtful because my parents never took us to the movies really. So I probably saw it on VHS like, you know, a couple years later when it was, we had a buddy, I had a friend that would dub like every movie mm. to VHS for us. So we had like a giant VHS collection. And so I probably saw it like a year or two after it was mm. eventually released on VHS. So. So, uh, so uh, again, sorry for the selfish question here, because I have this insanely crazy memory. Welcome which, to the Tom Murtaugh Yeah, podcast. welcome to Tom Murtaugh. Hi, hi. We're changing this to <laughs> Tom Murtaugh's childhood. <laughs> Live. Um, so, I have this insane memory, which I I don't know if it's a false memory, right? Like, I think you turned me on to that uh, article about opening and closing memories and how every time you do so, it probably distorts the memory so i have no idea but but i was thinking about it a lot while thinking about the movie over the past couple of weeks and i swear when i I remember falling asleep on a couch upstairs we lived in a bi-level dark my dad waking me up on the couch and be like hey we're gonna go watch a movie and him taking me and my mom downstairs on beta having ghostbusters and watching ghostbusters like in 1985 and uh it's to this day one of my most fondest childhood memories because I remember I fell in love with the movie like the moment the moment I saw it and I wore that beta tape out to a point where I like I couldn't I couldn't we couldn't watch it anymore because it was literally like fuzzy um, and I asked my parents I'm like can I please have this beta tape and I have it somewhere stored away because oh, that's it's, it's like such what an, a great um, memory such a great little piece of nostalgia but i swear to god i remember i, I remember seeing it for the first time and that, that's what like a, when i was like yeah. four or five years old yeah what a cool memory well i'll say this i i remember this when i was in first grade and we were going to this super religious christian school uh there was no busing back then for private school so um there were a couple moms who did a carpool and so i was in first grade and my first girlfriend was in whatever is the grade under um first grade <laughs> And also my first kiss. And I remember being at her house on her couch and seeing a commercial for Ghostbusters on the television, which was the first time I became aware that the movie existed. Wow. Yeah. And I remember that very specifically because I remember the the green spud Slimer ghost and I'm being like, what the hell is that? That's awesome that you have that. That's really cool. That's like burned in my brain. It's been there for years. Well, you know, what's funny is I read somewhere in the middle of the marketing for that. What they did was they took the Ghostbusters commercial that's in the movie, yeah. and they put that out on television. But then they bleeped out the like the one five 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 number sure. that's in the movie, yeah. and they put a real number in that you could call. And they said, "I have it here in my notes somewhere," but I've literally five pages of notes that I didn't even touch. But I think they said they were getting somewhere in the neighborhood of like like 
2,000 calls an hour oh, or something like that. Oh, yeah. people, And it was like a pre-recorded message from like Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray saying like, oh, you've reached the Ghostbusters. We're out catching ghosts. You know? That's wow. awesome. But Gosh, in, I wish. Incidentally, incidentally, I just noticed that they said the first, I think it's, this is, if this is accurate, it wasn't released on VHS till 1994. Just nine years later, so I it's wonder, possible that I didn't see this. Yeah, wow. That see that makes so much wow. sense because that's what I'm saying. Like, I would have seen it around then, like in high I school. I never had a beta. I never had a beta machine, and like yeah. the earliest I would have seen it would have been on VHS. Okay. So. That makes total sense. Makes sense. That would have been that wow. would have been the time that I saw it. Um, I can't believe they that's only released wild. it on beta in the 80s. Well, that's what yeah. it says beta? here, but I, maybe I'm like not looking. Let's see. When All was right. the beta release? Oh, unless it was shown on television and then somebody I knew recorded that, it. That, that is also a possibility. That's yeah, because I'm, I'm wondering if my cousin shows me. And, and I know we're out of time, but we didn't get to talk about the sequel and we didn't get to talk about Lady Ghostbusters, which a lot of people hated. I didn't. I thought it was fun. Uh, and we didn't... Um, Gosh, I wish there's a way we could get all three of our listeners to tell us if they have ghost stories. All right. I'm very excited to see what Afterlife does. I hear really yeah. good things. Like I said, my friend Russell saw it and said it's a really, really good love letter. Um, they don't reference the second one at all, but there's like it's a real legit sequel to the first one. So um, I'm excited for it. I'm excited awesome. for it. And I, and as I was saying earlier, I wish, you know, all four of our listeners, um, I wish there's a way we could hear other people's ghost stories. Or, or like yeah. who who in their uh like kind of life has hmm. has shown up? Um, How could we do that real quick? I don't know. Could they post Something it on like... our it, like Instagram? Could they? If yeah. you, here, here's what you can do: if you got an interesting ghost story that you want included on our next episode, you're gonna have to go to our Instagram page and private message us. Oh, tell cool! Me I that, like that. Tell me that you have a ghost story, and then we'll figure out a way for you to record it and send it to me. And we'll and if you got something good, we'll we'll include it on one of our future podcasts. Yeah, and it can be it can be like uh, deeply meaningful, like the butterfly story. It can be a little bit spooky, like the the video store, or it can just be like kind of mischievous, weird places you've been. Funny. Um, it could be a, be fun. Talk about how your grandmother was watching you masturbate, or that and also that. that cheering you on, cheering you on, Go fellas. I gotta run. This is a blast. Go it's so good right. uh, always <clears throat> to, to get to talk with you. Let's wrap it up. We, by the way, super stoked to see you in a week, buddy. Same. I'm super stoked. It's going to be Same. great. We're going to have a blast. Yep. Absolutely. Um, all right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Cinemarter Podcast. Please Tom, check us out on... Thank you for having me, guys. <laughs> thank just, you for being Just thank here. you for having me. This That's it. I'll right, go. Thank you. This was super fun. I hope you come Thanks on for, for listening one. to... The, there's, okay, three three people is too many. This is too many. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Cinemarter Podcast. Please go to our Instagram. It's Cinemarter Pod on Instagram. Please like uh, and subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes and all the other bullshit. Uh, it'll help us out. Uh, thank you so much. You're the best. We love you. And, and, and don't forget, Tom, that at the top of the episode, Ryan forgot to ask you how you've been doing. And then at the <laughs> bottom of the episode, he forgot to thank you for being on. So thanks again everyone tom you're welcome here uh ryan i'm used to it by host. now 25 <laughs> years of friendship yeah we don't need to <laughs> okay thank you mike you. i love okay, you goodbye <laughs> i ain't afraid of no ghosts i ain't afraid of no ghosts